Yeah. Okay. So I guess we're doing a show then. Fine. Oh. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. No. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we both said yeah. That's yeah. yeah I, no. Is that that's kind of a Midwestern thing? We yeah. just say yes and no at the same time. But yeah. everybody knew which which one <laughs> you meant, right? Yeah. 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 No. Yeah. 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 If it was like yeah. 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 No. 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 <laughs> someone someone pointed that out that I do that quite a bit actually. They're like, okay, yes or no, just say one. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, take it. Yeah. 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 No. 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 Yeah. No, yeah. No. No. Ooh, no. Ooh. What? What? Yeah. What do we have here, dude? Uh, just be over here. The um. Oh, first of all, don't put that on your face. Did you do that to your face? No. Oh. I'm not an idiot. I mean, I am an idiot. Um, our, wow. I work on a t- I'm working on a show right now doing locations, and the uh, lighting guy yeah. lighting guy had one of those on set, and I go, oh, I thought it was like a, a tool for his kit. And I go, what is this? And he goes, it's a massager. I'm like, oh, oh man. Oh, they're great. Yeah, dude. Great. I mean, I was literally rubbing that thing on my thigh just like, did you get one of in. these, the hypervolt ones, or the ones that you see, the, the, the triangle one? No, it's like, it was like, it, I mean, it was this version of that, They're whatever that is. It's, got, it's like a trigger. and it, you... Welcome to Hollywood Anonymous, everybody. I'm Brian Irwin. Uh, the very relaxed, muscly, uh, muscly relaxed Brian Irwin. You know, when I'm I, John I, I got this for the wifey for Christmas. Ooh, that's a good gift, dude. It was. It was It was crushing it. The kids stole it for the first month. <laughs> so it's like everything. It's just like, you're Ow, really... Ow, Dad, Tanner's massaging me yeah, too no. hard. Okay, all right. <laughs> All right, exactly. Uh, but no. So, but then when I actually tried it, I was like, "Whoa!" Like, I went and I think I got this one. At, and I know for a fact I got it at Best Buy. And I remember when we were checking out, like everybody behind the counter is like, "Oh yeah, oh." Yeah. Everyone's like, "Oh dude, yeah, yeah. oh like, god, oh not, god." And they're not, they're not upselling. I'm already buying the thing. Also, they, they don't like, get another dime if they do sell this to you. No. they just work there. So no. it's like, they were, they were like, "Yes, please, you're gonna love this thing." Like I was like, at first I was like, "Cool, cool," and then after a while I'm like, "All right, it's getting a little creepy." Like, get off me. What do you think we're getting this for again? Just. Uh, I mean, little, but that's. I was getting to hammer nails, so. Yeah, I'm gonna actually. That's a good. I, I got a birthday to buy for coming up. That's yeah, a good gift. Come on, dude. I, you know, at first you don't because there's been massagers, electric massagers for years. Oh no, dude, that out, thing is. But these things are no joke. Yeah, no, that 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 is. If you're not gonna have like I didn't a. I still was had the music going. We were so excited about the the uh, the Hypervolt. That, is that uh, what it, is that? Are they all? That. Is it a, what's the company? Is the company called Hypervolt? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that the, they're, they're just massagers. I mean, well, but they're not just massage. But just massagers massage. is like a, a piece of wood with three nubs on the end that you can rub on someone's shoulder. Fair enough. And also, um, if it was just a massager, it would be called me, and it wouldn't cost much, and it wouldn't last long. So, ex- ex- yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. 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 Well, there is cost to it, but uh, it's more emotional than anything sure. else to get a massage from me. It's just an emotional. It's an drain. emotional massage. It's an emotional drain. <laughs> oh, an emotional drain. It's an emotional drain for I'm my so wife. I'm so tired uh, emotionally because Brian gave me a massage. You no, know, well, yeah, because I feel like there's a lot of excitement going in, and and if you're not good at it, it's it's disappointing for the person receiving. But the you got massage. big mitts. You got to be good at it's it. Nothing to. D- well, there's also commitment. Oh, you got to get into yeah, it, dude. I know. You got to like literally. You can't. Like, I've tried to do laying on your side and massaging their back on the side. Uh-huh. You can't do that, dude. You got to get up. Gotta well, get wait, on you're t- lying on your back? Yeah, yeah. Well, like, I'm laying on my side, and she's on her side, and I'm just, like, trying to, like, massage her back. You know what I mean? Just, like, laying, like lazily. That would be but, a like, great skit for, like, to go into a real place, and the guy lays the guy down next like, to you <laughs> to do it. They're like, no, just like it would be at home. We're like, I didn't. No, no, no. no, no. I don't want a massage. Like, I give massages. Yeah. <laughs> I want a legit one. Yeah, no, no. We don't need any cuddle parties to go with this. <laughs> What is that I feel on the back of my leg? All right, so um, oh, what? what else is going oh, on? Two, well, two things. Uh, we had uh, Pat Moot on, mm-hmm. uh, actor, yeah, yeah. comedian, mm-hmm. uh, uh, documentary filmmaker, Pat Moot, mm-hmm. cancer survivor. Yep. 
two days after having Pat Moot on, I went to the bathroom and was like, hey, that was not right. There's something wrong with my wiping area there, right? My butthole. So um, had a little bit of a, a nubbin. And I was like, okay. And I was immediately like, how? You're being, you, what do you mean, a, what do you mean a nubbin? A little ball right, right on the outside of my butthole. So anyway, I went to the bathroom and noticed this little lump, like a little bump. It was like a little, like a little pea-sized thing that was just like so attached. And in my first, wait, my f- attached in the toilet or on your person? On my person, right, on I my body. Sure. You, you, you're talking a lot because you don't want to be like, I know. Toilet talk, but uh, I was taking a shit. I wiped my ass. I felt this ball there outside is. my butthole. There I was it pretty is. specific about no, it. No, you weren't actually. You kind of danced around it. You can go back and listen. But anyway, roll tape. Um, so it was like a pea-sized thing, and I was like, "Oh shit, I have cancer." And I and this uh, is. Do you think it's because you had just had? I, I, I thought I manifested it. I'm like, "Oh, I made cancer in my butt because I had this." But okay. we did this no, podcast, and now I'm always. You're thinking over forty. About it. You're an adult male, by the and way. And I've had cancer. Yes. And I've had cancer. That's my main thing: is that I had it. I went through chemotherapy. I never want to do it again, and it scares the shit out of me. So, so I went. I like made an appointment to have my yearly physical with my regular doctor, and I told her about it. Uh, and this woman has literally, she's had her finger in my butt more than uh, I, I don't know. It's like a lot, and she's got a great sense of humor about it, and we always laugh Wait, as she's doing it. I, I do have a legitimate question. This is not a comedic question. My doctor's never done that. I, you, as we know, I got a colonoscopy, um, but there's been never. Is there a reason? Is there is there a history in your family that would cause them to do that? Because typically they won't do it unless they're looking for something. Uh, yeah, I make them look for something. I think oh, I have cancer. It. I don't you, demand it, but like one time I went in there, I had something. She's like, "Okay, well, have you had have you had you know the finger in the butt test?" And I said, "No, not so for weird. I've never, not for a while." So she did that. Up. Then she the next this time I was like, "Hey, I got something. You gotta you gotta look at that." So she did. And she legit. was like, yes. She was like, "Yeah, okay." There there was something there. She kept calling it a tumor, but then following it up with. When I say tumor, I don't mean cancer necessarily. I just mean growth. And I go, okay, stop saying tumor. And then she recommended I go see uh, a specialist or whatever. So I did that the other day. And um, uh, this guy, first of all, Kramer's not wrong on Seinfeld. Um, Butt doctors have a great sense of humor. There's all these fart books in the thing. Like all he, this guy was doing shtick as soon as he walked into the office. I'm like, bro. I'm tiered to have my butt examined. Wait, is this a, when you say butt? Is he a proctologist? Yeah, specifically or not. So like, your, your urologists sometimes do stuff like this. So no, no, he's not a urologist. This guy was right. specifically for the old, right. the old b hole. Right. And uh, and uh, he he like after he did his shtick. I mean, this guy like he goes now. I'm going to use. I think he called it an anal scope. Did goes, you give him the light? Is guess what, what hole? The guess what hole this goes into? I go. I don't really want to play fun games yeah. anymore, dude. Just do the thing. And it was like a super <sighs> uncomfortable procedure and everything he led to look at, but. He was like, dude, you're completely healthy. Um, it was just like it, it, the swelling had gone down on the thing. He goes, don't. He, basically, it's probably from sitting on the toilet for too long. Like a strain. Yeah. Oh, so it wasn't. What's what's the other one? Um, uh, hemorrhoids. No, that's no. what I thought it was, too. I was like, oh, it's probably. Because it's a pet. But, there was, no, were, but right? there was no blood. It was oh. not. It was not like painful. It wasn't like. You could poke at it and it wouldn't like. Oh, hurt. you didn't see blood. I thought in the beginning of the story you felt. No, that's I, the first I was wiping like, my ass it, and I it. felt it. And I was got like, it. what is this? Single ply? Uh, dude, no single ply. I was at home. We don't have single ply. We're not f- fucking animals, dude. <laughs> Jesus, that's that's what animals use, dude. So yes, you ever seen a bear shit in the woods? He uses single ply is that toilet what it paper. Is? Gary yes. and Frank single ply. Actually, they use my carpet. Motel when six. When things aren't going single right. ply. But anyway, so uh, the guy was like, "Look, you're not wrong to come in and have that checked out because his biggest pet peeve. Basically, he said the thing that happened to Pat, which was he was misdiagnosed with a hemorrhoid for mm. two years. Yeah, he's like, dude." People think because they see blood, it's a hemorrhoid. Dude, what? He was, like, bewildered by how 
doctors in his profession deal with um, people coming you in. You mean being dismissive about, of it? Yeah, he goes, dude, it's crazy. You got to look. You got to examine. You have to check it out. And I go, yeah, I, yeah. Wouldn't you agree, though, like anything, you're ultimately, like anything in life, you have to care about yourself more than... Yes. You never assume yes. somebody else yes. is caring that much yes. about you. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I make sure I'm like, hey, I feel a lump. I have this. I have that. I'm always... But again, super paranoid. Super yeah, but paranoid. yours goes... Well, there's twofold there, and you kind of touched on each one of them. One, you just came off a podcast where a guy talked about yep. having it. And secondly, because you have a history of cancer, you already have a built-in, which most, most, like I said, most adult males over the age of 40 believe that if they feel anything wrong, they're dying. dying. Yeah, yeah. But you have like a point of reference that you immediately go to mentally that you yeah. probably compartmentalized at this point because it was a while ago. But Yeah, still. I mean, it was a while ago, and I'm not like, you know, if I had to do it again, I could do it again, go, well, it's th- not. go through all that, but I don't want to, no. man. It's real time-consuming and a pain in the ass. I will say, though, that um, to put a positive spin on this, it does seem to me that the more, I mean, because we've had a few people on the show, yourself included, that have had cancer, and they, um, they've survived it. Like, they've gone through the process. It's never fun. Nope. No one's bragging about the process. But what they do say in the end is when it's over, it's, it's over. You know, I mean, per se. It's over, per se. I think you become a, a, you're a better person for having gone through it. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, if yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Like, I know that my attitude of my life, my attitude adjustment and how I felt about life and how I looked at life, even at 19, uh, changed. Yeah. When I had cancer. Now, I'm not going to say that there wasn't a few years go by and then I kind of slipped back into being that same old guy. But eventually I came back out of that and was like, oh, yeah, remember the cancer? Remember how you were are super lucky? And it's like I, I do think about that on a fairly regular basis. It's your it's your go to thing, if you will. Kind of a reminder. My reminder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The other thing I want to talk about briefly is last week we lost Neil Pert, the drummer oh. for Rush to brain cancer. Um, it's would be, it would be impossible for me to formulate a group of words together that could put into perspective what Rush actually meant to me as a band. Mm-hmm. But when, like, I posted this on, I posted this online, but I know how I feel when I listen to them, and it's all, without fail. Whenever I hear Rush, it's like 1991 again. I'm in my friend Andy's station wagon. We're on the way to Taco Bell, or we're on the way to see. Rush, live, you know, exit stage left is cranked, and there's just a bunch of us in there. And we're having, it, it, it was it was so much fun, and a story I've never really told on here, I got, like, one of the last Rush, I saw Rush uh, probably four times, and I saw him on the Roll the Bones tour at Rosemont Horizon, bones. and I had tickets on, it was the day after Halloween. My mom was going out of town on Halloween morning. She left to go out of town. Halloween night, I got in trouble with my buddies for drinking. The Warrenville cops picked us up. We were drinking in a park. We got busted, underage drinking. My dad was the only parent home. He came into the police station, freaked out, made a huge scene, threatened, are you fucking idiot, bap, 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 took my wallet, took my keys, you're never driving a car again, blah, blah, blah. Got back in the car, handed everything back to me. He's like, what the hell's wrong with you? I was like, what? He goes, what are you doing? I mean, if you're just out having a couple drinks with your buddies, I get it. But if this is a thing, we need to talk about it. And I go, it's not a thing. Of course, you're a kid. What are you going to say? I don't want to talk about it. Next day, I called him at work. I was like, hey, I have tickets to this Rush concert. Can I go and spend the night over at my buddy Andy's? He's like, yeah, okay. 
my mom came home from her out of town. My dad told her what had happened. My mom comes into my bedroom, and she goes, if you fucking think I would have let you go to that Rush concert, you are out of your fucking mind. And I was mom like, well, dad. dad didn't care, so oh I went. God. But that was like, and I had tickets to the very last Rush concert that was in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. They played their last show here. I had three tickets. I had one for me, one for my brother-in-law, and one for my friend Charlie Sahaki, who I went to middle school and high school with, who is a drummer who is obsessed with Rush. The week of the show, I booked a commercial that flew me to Canada, where I had to do some shooting for two days, and I gave my tickets, I gave Charlie his ticket because it was his birthday, and then Jeremy didn't want his ticket, so I sold two tickets. But Charlie, on his birthday, got to see the very last Rush show, and uh, I'm very happy that one of us got to go. How long ago was that? That was 2015. Okay. Because he got sick like three years ago or something. He's a quiet dude anyway. So He's a quiet dude. Way, They're bo- all, all three of them are quiet. I think it's insane that a three-person band like that, the most, the the easiest instrument to dissect is the guitar yeah. in that band, which is nuts because the bass and the drums usually sort of support the guitar. These are three separate instruments doing three separate things, somehow combining to make an overall song. And it's beyond impressive. Like musically, Rush is one of the greatest bands that has ever played music. Yeah, they call it prog rock, but but I will say that that they 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 get, they were a good introduction. Like if you liked rock, mm-hmm. they were a good introduction to respecting the art form. To where sometimes I don't think people thought about it because you most likely listen to whether it's rock or pop or whatever. It has a very specific you know outline, a pattern, if you will. Yeah. And these guys were doing some stuff specifically, you know, the way the drumming and the 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 the, the bass playing was. Yeah. A lot of people don't understand, uh, you know, the guitar work. Same thing with the police. They don't understand how those guys are, are stretching their fingers in ways that nobody was ever doing that before. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, no, it was it was uh, it was disappointing. My brother uh, was a huge Rush fan. And grew up yeah. I, I, I immediately thought of contacting him on that. But, you know, there are no first of all, there are very few casual Rush fans. There are very few people who are like, oh, yeah, I, I throw, think you either like him or you don't. You, it's either you've heard what you hear on the radio and you don't mind it yeah. or you are borderline obsessed and you know about the band in its entirety there was one guy though that um last year when i was still doing a safety valet at the kids school Mm -hmm. um he i made the mistake similar to what you do with kids he would pull up every morning drop his kid off and his windows were down and he was listening to subdivisions (laughs) and so the first time he does like subdivisions cool man you know in the high school halls in the shopping malls conform or be cast out (laughs) yeah and so Every day after that. <laughs> I love this guy. Same song. Same like, huh? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I get it. I said it was cool. I didn't say every day we're right. going to meet at the same spot. And listen to this and song. T- <laughs> it's not awesome. happening. Dude, that is awesome. Uh, two other things. Concerts that I forgot because they don't. I don't think they do that any, this anymore, but at least they did back in Wisconsin. I was growing up. You go to a concert. Drum they, solo. No, they would, do the, they would do the concert replay oh. on one of the rock stations when you left so you could listen. Oh. Oh, to the dude. show you just saw, they used to do that, uh, in Wisconsin. And secondly, I just want to bring up with you the drinking in a park, uh, the, the choice that children make to drink in a park. I always found that, that that's we weren't the children, bro. We were like sixteen years old. It's it's <laughs> going and doing something illegal, like let's 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 have a large gathering of teenagers and alcohol. It's like five of us. And going to the park is like your parents trying to hide something from you in a shoebox in their closet. Right. It's like yep. everybody knows where That's it where is. That's where I'm looking. So I don't understand why generations are like, where can we go and probably get caught doing what we're doing? Oh, I, the park. I would like to Let's point to the out park. that... Let's go to the uh, public park where cops go to yeah. all the time. Oh, and, dr- and drive by because <laughs> you can see it from the street. Like, I would like to point out, I am not claiming to be 
a genius or a smart kid or anything like that. I mean, I was a fucking moron, and I'm very fortunate to be alive. I, I will admit that. But also, I just wanted to finish up, Rush, if you haven't, uh, if you'd like to see a very good documentary about that band, they're, like the Tom Petty documentary and then the Rush documentary yep. are, it's called Beyond the Gilded Page, yeah. I believe. Yeah. And it is, or maybe Gilded Stage. But Gilded Stage, yeah. Yeah, but it is, I, I would watch it because Neil Peart is an impressive, impressive musician. Probably the best rock drummer of all time. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like the Grateful Dead have two drummers and those two guys can't do what Neil Peart does. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And and as a band, I I prefer you know I like the Grateful Dead a little more I would say, but like Rush, is so musically advanced, it's just impressive. Yeah. It's impressive. Agreed. Confirmed. Yeah. Now back to the park thing. I actually yeah. believe that the only reason why cops chase teenagers because they just want to look at the children of the corn thing and watch them all go running through the woods. Dude, I, it's a, a they laugh. Panic. They must laugh because no one's getting. No one ever gets arrested. You only get arrested if you're a total douchebag. Well, you don't. You don't get arrested like, at that you age. Know what I'm saying you get picked up. Right. And they're like, get in the car. But they don't even normally do that. They just go, hey, I'll tell you what, clean up and get the hell out of here, which is also not really smart. Hey, get to get in that car. Well, that was the thing is we were trying to we were trying to drive away and stuff, and that's when we got caught. So yeah. All right, enough of all this. Yes, sorry. Yes. So I'm I'm actually genuinely excited about this uh, episode, and I'll tell you why because this is unique to our show. Yes. Neither one of us knows our guest at all. Correct. The only reason why I know her, and I don't even know how we became connected. This is the first time. I was like, because I'm, you know, at a point in my life where I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't need to. I don't need to know, new friends. I, don't need, I, don't, <laughs> I definitely don't need digital friends, right? And I don't know how we got connected, but then I just started following this guest, mm-hmm. uh, and it just kind of just snowballed into this. And then I noticed that she had moved to Los Angeles, and I was like, well, this is oh, so this she is wasn't a great, not originally from here. Okay. No, and so this made it a perfect opportunity because we always talk about journeys and stuff like that. Specifically, most of our guests, their journeys actually coming here. So fresh off the boat, if you will, <laughs> um, I would call you a writer and a director. Yes. Right. Am I skipping anything else? I don't know if you act I, in any of your stuff or no, not. No. But, all right, Lou Simone. Lou, Lou Simone from the internet, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> From the internet to Brian's <laughs> to basement, family to podcast basement. Only a couple more episodes before the house gets ripped apart. So, oh, so. yeah, we're moving the up. We're moving the show to my place, guys. Yeah. I feel special. Yeah, uh, thank Good you for show. being here. Thank you, thank you for having me. I actually, when I was driving over here, I started thinking, I don't really know Brian no, all that not. well, so he could be a serial killer. Yeah, this could be like Bianchi and Bono, and I'm walking straight into the lion's den yes. <laughs> to his house because it's not even like like a studio. Right. You know? Yeah, <laughs> it is. It is a little bit weird, I guess. You don't know somebody. You are coming to their place, and you've never been there before. And Luckily, I was also thinking, like, yeah, but my house is so white, picket, middle America, picket fancy. And then I was like, wait a minute. That's exactly yeah. yep. the type of home. What do you think? Ed Gein lived in a... <laughs> <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer lived in a regular apartment, man. <laughs> it's just like... No, bold move on your part. Yes. I know. I thought about it. I was like, no, I'm certifiably crazy. Well, welcome to I Los assume, Angeles. But I also that's I, part of the deal. You, yes, I assume you at least told one friend, "Hey, I'm going to do this podcast. If <laughs> I don't tell come us. back, you had yes, backup. I told everybody, <laughs> and I even gave him the address. <laughs> Good, <laughs> gave <perfect. him> your... <laughs> that's smart. That is smart. Perfect. Where did so you just got to LA? Uh, yeah, like seven months ago. Oh wow! And from where? I was in Atlanta. Okay. For. How long was it? Like four years, and before that, I'm you know I'm from Miami. Okay. So it's been a. And what what took you to Atlanta? The film industry, because uh, Florida lost its uh, film incentives, 
And so and Atlanta's uh, got big ones. Yeah, everything yeah. everything died there. So and even though I'm, I was doing indie, it's not like I was, you know, really counting on the incentives anyway. They weren't really all that great to begin with, to be yeah. honest. Like you know, it was really hard to get them. So, um, but with that, also all the crew left. Oh, all because the, the, all the work was, all the work was up, gone. Yeah. So you couldn't even get people like on their off, you know, their off time. Even if you're doing an indie and you're not worried about tax incentives, there's just nobody there to help you. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know, like there was like a mass exodus within like a year of everybody that had been working in the film industry, and a lot of people went to Atlanta just because it's right there. It's you know, closer. You're still, you can still get home if you're from Florida. Exactly. You know, so it was e- just very easy for everybody. So that's where everybody went, and so I knew a ton of people. Who moved up there? Which is from our side of it. John and I have done a lot of time in production. We saw the move from here to, to Atlanta. Atlanta. Yeah. And I, I know a lot of it was the bigger stuff, like the the huge movies that they were making down there. Which you know, still, I mean, those are massive crews too. That they need yeah. a lot of bodies for those huge movies. Tyler Perry and Walking Dead. I think also Tyler Perry has basically a, a movie factory there where he yes. just pumps out uh, so many things a year. And Walking Dead, when they started shooting there. That brought a lot of attention to Atlanta as a place that was viable for filming where you could sort of get different looks, different seasons, different areas. And mm-hmm. also, if for those of aren't familiar, when, she, when um, Lou talks about tax breaks and tax incentives, L.A. used to have a lot of that. Yeah. Like, shoot here, shoot your film here, we can give you this, and we can cut you a deal on that. And then L.A. sort of stopped it doing went, that. But that's where the runaway production yeah, started. People yeah. went to go, started going to Toronto more. People started, And this was in the like late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. And then the Atlanta thing happened probably 2013, 2014, maybe. Yeah. And, um, and, and I think, and I don't know, because only, the only times I've ever been to Atlanta to work has been to do stand-up, but I feel like it's sort of starting to die down there, and people are coming this way again. It slowed down a little bit because of the very controversial... Um, the abortion laws. Abortion law. Yeah. Uh, oh, is that where it started taking Hollywood a, did okay. not care for that, yeah. No, they didn't. So there was a little bit of that, but, I mean, still very happening. Um, it's still very film-friendly. The incentives are still amazing. It's one of the best, yeah. you know, anywhere. And they've built a bunch of studios there. I mean, they, they're basically made yeah. a, like a, a, a Hollywood light, if you will. Yeah, there's resources there to make films very easily, you know, Um and they've expanded them. Like it didn't used to, you know, include post production. Now it does. Oh, you know, like know. the last couple of years. Oh shoot, Derek, um, you post in L.A., but yeah. yeah, now they have everything there. Yeah, so it it was a great place to make any films. In fact, I'm gonna be shooting there this year oh, again nice. because it's just. I mean, in terms of locations and stuff like that, you can find a lot of locations over there very cheap as opposed to here. I mean, I've tried. I, it's just yeah, impossible. Pe- I, do you th- and do you think it's that people here in Los Angeles know? They know what you're doing. They know that they. I want this much money, and this is what I want because this is what I've gotten before. Whereas in Atlanta, they're like, oh, cool, you want to make a movie and you're exactly. shooting at a restaurant? That's awesome. Well, like, we've always learned here that everybody finds filmmakers to be an inconvenience in this yeah, which is another Hollywood, huge problem. California. Which is another huge problem. LA and has. that they makes it hard. It so they try to price you out a little bit, scare you away with with higher prices, and then their attitude is like, "Well, if you can afford it, then I'll take you. But if you can't afford it, I'm not going to bother." Yeah. yeah, I mean, the other thing is the the prices of um, film permits. Yeah. So you you have to take the risk of not getting a film permit, and <sighs> then you know, and then what happens if you get caught? That's just a t- uh, to me. That's a real terrifying thing. Oh, I can't. Which I don't part? know how anybody would not do that. to shoot without a permit. Is, well, I've seen people do it. Oh, I've seen. I've been a part of it. I just don't like it. I really don't like it. Mm. 
It makes me uncomfortable. If I was shooting something for like $5,000 or something like that, you're like, okay, if it gets delayed, all my friends can go, you know, somewhere, you know, we'll come back another day and hope that we didn't get caught. But like, you actually have somewhat of a budget and you have like actors coming in and stuff like that. You can just be like, okay, I guess we got shut down today. Let's try again tomorrow. And and every second is is, is money. And and every, you know, especially with talent and even quite frankly, anybody that's working for you. You know, this is this is a business where everybody's working on what do I, what am I doing next? This is not one of those things where you punch in nine to five. When whatever gig you're working on is over, you're playing this chess game of like, all right, well, I got to keep working. I have a certain amount of money I got to make, and you know, specifically with actors or talented people in production that you need, they'd be like, listen, man, you can't push this project because you push to this, I'm out. Yeah, you know, so you have to be careful with with how you manage your days yeah. as well. Yeah, there's no, I could never do that. I just, I'd be so afraid of something going wrong or getting, you know, getting busted. And as a director, it kind of comes down on you in the end, doesn't it? I mean, I know you'd have a production crew that would be responsible for it, but at the end of the day, you're the one who goes, "I'm not shooting without a permit," and then everyone goes, "Okay, we got to get a permit." Well, I, I always, I always produce as well, so yeah, I would never, I, I don't know, you. Could, how are you going to have an entire project, you know, depending on whether or not the police officer... Yeah, hanging in the balance of one guy <laughs> yeah. accidentally driving by and looking over yeah. and going, what is that, a camera well, on Even if you're shooting inside a house, you need a permit, which is crazy. Yeah. Y- you know, I- in Florida and Georgia, if it's a private home, you can shoot there without a permit. It's, yeah, it's, as long as the homeowner's there and yeah. they go, yeah, do whatever you want here. Pa- part of it is, having worked in locations for well over a decade, part of it is um, control, you know, Part of its finances, it's it's a it's easy money. Fill out as many permits as possible. It's easy money to the city, but then there is that there is that other small part of it that obviously we saw rear its ugly head in Atlanta. Is that you you can't be monkeying around. You got there's got to be checks and balances. There there sometimes people can get hurt. Oh, the Carolina hurt the um or killed. Sarah. And 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 I yeah. and again I, I I say that as the small part because I've been around long enough. I mean that's a good talking point. But that's not primarily what anybody's really pushing is a safety first thing. Um, I think that was a wake up call. But the permits do at least keep you on some level of a legitimate path yeah. as well. Yeah. So there's the good and the bad to it, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean it's a, it can be a frustrating process to get something permitted or to go get a permit oh, it or is. to have to pay for the permit is irritating. I get that, but in the end, the permit really protects you. I mean, I don't I, legally. It's like we were okay to shoot here. Everybody was on board with it. There's na- there's always somebody that's looking to shut you down. Yeah, but yeah, but, but but what happened in, in Atlanta with if somebody doesn't know about it is it's a crew member that got hurt when they shot on on, on a life uh, train track train, train track illegally. Um, that was done without you would have needed permits for that, you, and they they didn't do it. You so need to contact the railway. So, that perfect. You need to contact so the railway. It's and not make a sure. the permit requirement wouldn't have solved that because they were doing it illegally. So if people are going to do it illegally, they're going to do it illegally here or there. Right. So. If if they had permitted the train track, it would have been something that they would have communicated with the railway system, and there would have been like, okay, from this time to this time, we are not running trains, and we'll have a representative there, and we'll have a safety officer there, and we'll have some cops there, whatever it is, that know that this is the schedule. You're allowed to shoot this time, and now everyone off the tracks, and now back on. Well, it just goes to show you where their mentality was. They didn't believe in checks and balances, and it ultimately came back to yeah. you know kill yeah. somebody. And that's the thing. is like you... I think there is a mindset that goes into it. I don't I don't disagree with you in the fact that if you're super tiny and I've I've experienced this where we were forced to pull permits for an extremely extremely small thing in a private home and we we're like seriously what's going on here? And the issue ultimately is 
some of the neighbors can become extreme bullies, and they find the permit office and turn them into their weapon. For anti-filmmaking people, use the permit offices as their weapons as well. And it, and, it, and it can create a lot of hoops to jump through. We were in a neighborhood that apparently uh, had a homeowners association that voted X amount of days could be filmed in the neighborhood. All of a sudden, we couldn't, we couldn't have a... You, we couldn't even exist. We could film, but we couldn't exist outside. Like, they, the neighbors had, had made it so difficult to do anything. And we're just like, God... Remember where you are, and half these people are, are in the, the business. business yes, dude, it's really but frustrating. I don't want to belabor that stuff. But so you started. So it's horror is is your primary genre, correct? Yeah, but horror, um, just genre, I guess. Horror, thriller, um, like the one we're shooting uh, this year is um, sci-fi. Okay. Slash, I mean, it's still me, so it still has a little bit of horror in it. <laughs> and is that a, is that? Um, is that like your choice? Is that like a thing where like this I this is a genre that I love that I can that I understand that I can make? It's everything. Yeah, I mean, it's the only th- it's primarily what what I watch. Um it's what I really what really appeals to me, so So um, you've seen every horror movie? <laughs> no, I, mean, I don't know about that, but I've seen quite a few, especially in the last, I don't know, 20 years or so. Yeah. Like I, like like when people start quoting stuff from the eighties, I only know like the the major ones, yeah. you know, the real famous ones. Um, what which which would be Nightmare on Elm Street, Friday the Thirteenth, Halloween. Halloween. You know, I don't. I think The Exorcist from the seventies or something like that. Like the major ones, the yeah. ones that everybody has seen. Yeah. But I would like some people quote stuff that I'm like, never saw that. Like yeah. But <laughs> and then I watch it. It's terrible. But they th- <laughs> they think it was so good. I'm like, no, no. You think it was good because you saw it as a kid. So oh, it scared yeah. you. Phantasm. <laughs> that's my movie. That when I was a kid, Phantasm. This was this weird '70s movie. I was like, oh yeah. my god, it's the scariest thing I ever saw. And when I was an adult, I watched it again. I'm like, this. What on earth? Yeah. They, they're my- terrible. They're really <laughs> terrible. The acting's terrible. The effects are terrible. People like hold them up like, oh, they just don't make them as they used to. Thank God. Yeah, yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. They make them ten times better now. Like, how dare you even say that? <laughs> it's like the effects are so awesome now. You can actually believe it, you yeah. know? When what when when did you actually I'm assuming you grew up and you were watching this stuff. And what at what point was did it go from going? You know, I, I can. I, this is what I want to do. Can I? Or were you doing something completely different in your life? Like, how was, did you stumble into this world? I was completely different. I mean, I, I started out writing since I was like ten. So I was writing, and like, and I would write like ghost stories and stuff like that. So it's always been in you, kind of. Yeah, but yeah. I wanted to be a novelist. Like, it was never about movies. Like, I never had put the two things together. You um, read a lot as a kid. I read a lot, and yeah. there were always like some kind of like scary, you know, Short Scooby-Doo story type yeah. story. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, I like Scooby-Doo. Um, and then, uh, and yeah, that was like the only like, I I started watching like movies with my mom. My sisters were older, so I was the only one to stay with her. So I was watch, and my mom didn't want to watch cartoons, of course. So I, <laughs> she was a stay-at-home mom. So we would watch like the old like 60s and 50s, you know, movies and all, even like the Bela Lugosi yes. stuff. And, yeah. And uh, and like every uh, Alfred Hitchcock movie ever. Um, and she said that I would, you know, I love that stuff. You ate it up. I was yeah. a kid, you know, and she was she was always like uh, telling me that I could figure out stuff before she did. <laughs> oh, like who who the killer <laughs> like was, who or the what killer was, yeah. was, or whatever. <laughs> so, like, even when I was a teenager, that's really what appealed to me. Like, that's 
all I had seen most of my life, you know? So yeah. I wasn't into cartoons or anything like that. Um, did your school have any type of um, film production types of stuff? Like, did you get into any of that stuff? No. Or was it, was it well after school? No, I really, I, I was going to be a writer. That was it. I was going to be the next, you know, novelist or whatever. And then... Um, and then I went to college, studied that, and... This is all still in Florida? This is still in Florida, and I was like, okay, obviously, <laughs> there's no writing, no, I, there's no <laughs> help wanted ads yeah. for... Novelist, novelist <laughs> needed. Hold on, are you novelist saying people needed. were knocking down the door going, where are all the writers in America? We need you now. Hiring writers. But I have this college degree and a massive debt. What are you going to give me? Yeah, well, thank God I didn't because I went to okay. the University of Florida, which is a public school, so I didn't owe very much money. Um, and so I, so somebody had put into my head that I should go to law school. Because I was good at writing and reading, you know. So hey, that's the Research. skills you need. Yeah. So. Did you like to argue? Is that where it started? Did you argue no, with somebody not like you really. should go to law school? Not really. In fact, I, I was so totally not. Also, not in my, you know, radar to be a lawyer of any kind. Um, but I convinced myself that if I went to school in New York, that then I would be first of all in the mecca of publishing, right? And number two, I could continue writing while I went to law school. And sure. <laughs> which is so easy, right? Well, <laughs> no, but the, I, I like your train of thought here. I think what you're, you're, you were on the right path. I was, you know, I was 21 and stupid. Well, um, right. And you, and you think and 24 hours in a day, you can stay awake for 22 of those 24 hours absolutely. and be fine. You know, yeah, yeah, but you need to be, be 21 and stupid. Quite frankly, if you want to do anything, mm. if you want to move, if you want to try something outside the box, be something, a, something, and stupid needs to be a part of be it. Be a right? dumbass under twenty five, <laughs> just doing your thing. Yeah. yeah so, I, so I convinced myself I should go to law school in New York. So I applied to NYU and Columbia. Didn't get into Columbia, but got into NYU. Um, and so, lo and behold, <laughs> law school is really hard, oh, especially at weird. NYU. I had no time. I basically, you have to read like three hundred pages every every night. Um, Besides I everything else, don't like it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I didn't. I don't think I wrote one page the entire time I was in law school. And oh. then by the time I graduated, I had like one hundred and fifty thousand oh. dollars. <laughs> Wait a minute. So you gr you actually graduated law school? Yes. Oh, I thought you were gonna say. And so that's when I got out of it. You actually stuck to it. I stuck to it, and I wow. actually I'm a lawyer. Congratulations. What kind of? I mean, can no, you? No, that's terrible. <laughs> don't congratulate me on that. <laughs> it'll it'll always be helpful. <laughs> oh, oh no, no, I it's it's been I, incredibly helpful. I right? Mean. I mean, in 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 hindsight, you look at it and go, I know this is not what I wanted to do. I always I've uh, we've talked about this before. Sometimes you have to kind of step back from your own life and mm -hmm. look at all the little paths that you may have taken that you didn't think was relevant at the time, and how some some gem of whatever it was you were doing during that time you ended up using towards what you're doing now. It's like a weird journey thing that people yeah. don't realize until you step away from yourself for a second. Well, I definitely practice more law as a filmmaker than I do... <laughs> as a lawyer. Th ...than yeah. I do, you know, uh, writing or directing. I mean, there, there's so much law involved in the in, the, in showbiz yeah. um, that it's, it's like a constant thing. I'm always reviewing contracts. I'm always, you know... Um, I, I was just involved in a four-year lawsuit against a distributor, you know, um, and definitely having a legal background helped a lot in that. It helps me make a living while I'm not making movies. So, I mean, I have no regrets. I, I can't tell you I didn't have regrets when I first started it because I hated it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I'm to doing something I totally don't want to do, but, yeah. you know, I need to pay bills. 
Um, but it, in hindsight, it was it was kind of worked out really well. So you really didn't when you were in New York. Did you at least get to enjoy New York, or, did, or were you such a book person that did you feel like you spent almost your whole time doing schooling, or did you at least get a flavor, a feel for that stuff, even though you weren't getting the creative during that time? No, man. I I was. It's, it's law school is like an all. Or nothing kind of yeah. experience. It really is. It's so yeah. if you want so to pass hard. with any kind of decent grade, yeah. And and especially in you know NYU, like it's a top ten school, so it's incredibly. That's what I was gonna say. Isn't that like a regarded as one of the best law schools in the country? Yeah. So that's even <laughs> more work and harder. Yeah. So it was. It, it yeah. It's you have no life basically. I mean, I can't say that I didn't do anything that was nice in sure. New York or whatever. But on top of everything, I wasn't a fan of New York. I oh, love New okay. York to visit. Yeah. Live there. No, no, I, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'll visit. No. I'll visit for a couple of days. Then, bye-bye. Yeah. yeah. So when you got your degree and your debt, did you leave immediately? Or what oh, did yeah. you do? You did? Yes, went I back went right to back to Miami. Miami. Okay. Uh, and I practiced there for quite a while. Until so you were you were a lawyer, straight up. What, was, what kind of law yeah, was at it? At that point, I really started thinking, what was I thinking that I could be a writer? Like, I'm never going to do that. That's wow. Just, I'm going, you know, I'm being unrealistic. You know, it's so hard. And then the, the more time I passed, the more I became, like, afraid of rejection. You know, if I submitted something that I wasn't a good enough writer or whatever. And so I never, I didn't write. I mean, I there were times where I wrote, like, I have a novel that's, like, two-thirds done or something like that. But. If I started, like, it almost became, like, like a phobia of, of finishing it. Because then it meant that I had to, like, submit it to Then things. someone had to read it. And yeah. then I, I would get rejected. So, so yeah, I, I gave up on that um, until I met someone that was working on a script. And um, I read it, and it was so bad. <laughs> <laughs> like, the story idea was great, but it yeah. was just very poorly written. And I said, well, you know, I... I kind of know how to write. You want me to help you? And so I had to learn the the um, screenplay. Oh, um, right, like draft, final draft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, like the whole, how it works, you know, like how it's formatted, yeah. how uh, uh, screenplays are formatted and That's whatever. That's true because up to this point also, you said you were doing novelist stuff, so that was not yeah. even in your... Writing a screenplay. It was completely you, prose And you, so all you the weren't time. reading screenplays, so you knew how the structure of it. So you're simultaneously teaching yourself... Yeah. So rewriting that script was like, oh, my God, why didn't I do this from the beginning? This is so much easier. <laughs> writing a novel. <laughs> writing it right. Oh my God, I can do this, you know, in a yeah. few weeks as opposed to years, you know. So I started doing that. Um, so after I finished that, then I just started writing my own stories. And that's when I was like, hmm, maybe I should actually try this you know and i came out to la a few times did a few pitch fests um and believe it or not nobody wanted to read them it's you know make it sounds so easy yeah yeah Yeah. just go to this pitch fest and then you'll probably get an idea developed and then mgm will call you (laughs) (laughs) and then some somewhere and then you know lack of experience at the time i mean seriously we were pitching stuff that um would have been made for hundreds hundreds of millions of dollars i mean it was like it was like action adventure with you know hundreds of actors and yeah. big you know. production <laughs> sets, tra- locations. Yeah, it was literally, uh, and and he's this person still owns the right to to this. So it, it's it it was like the Mummy, but with with the Mayans. Ah, 
So, I mean, you can imagine that kind of production value. Yeah. You know? And, of course, they're going to totally invest in a bunch of people they've never... I mean, you realize now, you're like... I Part of Hollywood, you understand. They're yeah. like, cool. Um, Great idea. Who are you again? Yeah. And why <laughs> would I make this movie for you? Like, Well, the things you go to this pitch fest... And, first of all, I'm very... I don't know. I, I kind of think that these pitch fests are all... A bunch of BS. Yeah, I, th- it's, I think it's, th- a, it's fairly scammy. They take your um, you you give money to get in, right? Get in, yeah. and you go to pitch to a bunch of producers, and probably most of those people don't have the money or the resources to make anything, and they're just there because they probably get paid something to appear. I have no idea why they're, they're just there. Parties. They're just they're just literally just there's social like a comedy events for festival. these people, and I also think that a big part of it because I've b- been involved in some of these is th- is a lot of bullshitting. A lot of people just want to they. It's like. I got a business card that says I'm a producer. Now I'm going to wander around and tell everybody I'm a big-time producer. Right. And then I'm going to leave. And I'm not going to do anything, but I got to do that. Does that make sense? Like, there's a lot of that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what, what, why they're there or why they would spend the money, the, the time to be there. <laughs> but, yeah, they hear a bunch From of pitch. Alcohol. And, of course, none of these people, obviously. I mean, to make a movie like that, you would need, like, Universal or yeah, yeah, yeah. a huge name like that. Yeah. And it's impossible to get into, I mean, to this day, I've never been able to get into a room with one of these people. You know, studios. Yeah. Um, so, so after a while doing that, um, I kept reading stuff like, "Oh, if you want to be discovered, you should make your own movie." Blah blah blah. blah. And then it's like, "Okay, we'll make one movie, and that would be so awesome." <laughs> that would be, you know, the one that gets us discovered. You know. Oh well. <laughs> uh, the like, one-off plan. I, I appreciate your enthusiasm. <laughs> I'm telling you, I was, I was, I was not that young at that point, but I was still very naive about the industry, and yeah. I read every BS that you read. You know, every book. And yeah. And you, you know, I mean, you even see all the little memes saying, "Yeah, go out there, make something with your phone." No, no, <laughs> that's not true. I mean, yes, make something with a phone with your. For your, your friends, friends or whatever. Funny comedy sketch but no. for YouTube. Great. Yeah, yeah, but no, it's not it's not gonna turn out to be, you know, the next paranormal activity. Yeah. Stop it with that already. So I mean and you hear, Oh, paranormal activity was made for sixty thousand, yes. And then and then Universal got it and added like I don't know yeah. how much in special effects afterwards, you know. Yeah, we all love our stories. You yeah, because I heard I heard I heard uh, that movie was made for like that's what I heard. I was like Fifteen thousand dollars. Fifteen thousand—that's what it was. Yeah, and they and then they grow and they grossed like sixty million or something like that opening weekend, and they obviously made the money back immediately. But like you said, they made the movie, and then Universal was like, "Hey, we like this. Let's doctor the shit out of it and make it look better, and then put it out." Yeah. Yeah. I guess Uh, I never really thought about uh, that. Jason Blum. Blum. That was basically that was the movie. Yeah. That caused that that was that gave Blumhouse enough money to start a company. Well, he I think he got a picture deal over. Universal. He's the one who found it, is what I yeah. understand. Yeah. Yes. He was working at somewhere, yeah. uh, whatever company picked it up, and and he's the one who championed it. Yeah. Yes, uh, it's actually Oren Pelly's. Ah. Um, is the director on that, mm-hmm. or the filmmaker who made it? Um, but I mean, obviously, they both done very well after that. Mm-hmm. Yes, so they have. That was the plan. That was the plan. Yeah, just make another paranormal activity. Yeah. But I'm still I'm still a huge fan of all the ignorance that any of us choose to go down that path. And and, and we're laughing because we also know it's not easy and we realize that it is very psychotic. But if you don't and I'm and I, I want to hear what it actually was like, because I always love it, because we've all done this, at least I know collectively in this room, based on what you're saying. We've done the we're just gonna make it. I mean, let's just go do this. And you do, you have no idea. 
you're about to get hit by a train. You have no <laughs> idea. You're getting a clobbered, and then you're, and then you. It's at that point. It's like stand up. You say, I want to do stand up, and you get on stage, and you you know pretty quick whether or not you're going to survive this. Yeah. You you know if it's in you or not, or if you should just be like, you know what, I'm out now. Yeah. Just get out now before it gets crazy. So you say, I'm going to make a movie, and how did that all play out? How did you make a movie just from saying, I want to make a movie? Well, I wrote the script specifically for that. It was like, okay, what can we make? By that point, I, I understood more about budgets. And like <laughs> keeping it in one location. Very one few location, actors. five actors. Yeah. Um, and so uh, the concept was great, and everybody loved those, the script, which was the idea was about five friends. This is a very Miami story who have a hurricane party during a hurricane, and then they do like this this spiritual healing thing. And, you know, a demon comes in from the other side, and now they're stuck inside this house, and they can't get out because there's, like, hurricane a hurricane outside, going on outside. demon inside. So, I mean, it was, like, it was the perfect way to trap people inside yeah. a house, you know? And it's a... It, hurricane parties are huge in Miami. I know. So. That's a thing that you weirdos do. Instead of evacuating, Did you know get this? safety. I've never heard of this. So, yeah. okay. You've never heard of a hurricane oh, no, party? Dude, it's oh, insane. My. I'm having a there's hurricane so much party. Fun. Okay, whatever there's you do, don't drive somewhere where there's no hurricane. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> There's so much fun, actually. Like you wouldn't do that for like a big, for I have always I've always evacuated if it was like a big yeah. hurricane. But yeah. like, <laughs> you'll get smaller ones that sure. really are. It's nothing more than just like a really bad rainstorm. You know? Okay, yeah, it rains windy. a lot, okay. a lot of wind. Right. Okay, yeah, yeah but I, mean, I, I guess you'd have to be a true psycho to be like 200 mile an hour winds. Uh, phone poles are shooting through buildings. We're gonna have a party. Like, get a tent. Yeah, get a tent. get a party tent. <laughs> get a party tent. <laughs> An outdoor heat lamp, extra bags, extra sandbags, says party tent. We're gonna have fun. So, so there you are. So it was very easy mm-hmm. um, in that respect. It was gonna be e- super easy to shoot. Um, we didn't know. Neither was I did it with with uh, actually an ex, and neither one of us had ever made a movie before. So I handled the writing. I was just supposed to like help peripherally in the producing, and he ended up hiring somebody that. A wonderful human being, but didn't have a lot of experience in, you know, in filmmaking. He was more like a commercial director. Mm-hmm. And while his commercial stuff looked great, um, the actual, you know, the actual film was not turning out the way we wanted. He to. wasn't the storyteller that he, you needed. Yeah. He, he was. Mo- somebody has explained to me afterwards that I've learned these things afterwards. Like, he, he was more a videographer than he was a cinematographer. Okay. Gotcha. Regardless of what he... Thought of himself. Thought of himself to be. Okay. Um, did you deficit finance this as well, or where, where did, how did you come up with the money? Well, see, I was a lawyer, so I had, I had connections. Okay. So I, I was wondering if that was ultimately going to come into play, because, again, going back to the law mm. school thing, that does help when you do need... I mean, probably helps you a lot. Yeah. You can speak intelligently in yeah. a way that makes and people And I was working... I mean, money. I did real estate law. I think oh, you asked okay. me a couple of times, and I never got around okay. to answering... Uh, we'll keep asking you until you answer our question. Well, it's a it's a real estate. I eventually answer my own. Uh, so I was a real estate attorney, so I knew a lot of people with money. Yeah. Uh, um. So so yeah. So we we got a, a couple of investors. I mean, can nothing. I ask you how much you were planning. You, your goal was to spend on that film, like fifty grand. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah, but it was still more than I hear a lot of people's first was. Yeah, fifty grand yeah. is a lot of money. That's yeah. what we're saying. Oh wow, and we're also saying oh wow because I'm assuming it goes a lot further down in Florida at that time than it ever would have here in Los Angeles. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so it didn't... Uh, 
So what what ended up ha- kind of happening was I was on set and I was just the writer. I wasn't supposed to be. I was just on set watching it. Plus, we were filming in our house, so <laughs> so, so you, you were, were on home set and, and also home set. at the time. So yeah. I had to, you know, and, I, and we and we and we shot sequentially just so that, that way we'd all we first of all, as people died, you would have one less actor, yep. so we could get rid of them. <laughs> No. Uh, in a movie like that, I think it makes the most makes sense, sense to, yeah. instead of, well, okay, you're done today, come back in two weeks and shoot yeah, your no. beginning get out, get scene. Out. Like, no, yeah. get out. And it's it was just funny when you say it like that, but that's true. That's right, exactly I've, ne- how you I've do never it. shot after that. Like, I've never <laughs> shot it that way again, but it, yeah. worked, it worked for this one as well because um, for continuity, because we had to continue living in this house yeah. when everybody left. Yeah. And it was like, okay, don't, for, <laughs> don't, don't forget to step yeah. over the big thing of blood <laughs> <laughs> that was left from today, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Um, so, um, so what happened was I was on set, uh, just watching it and I'm thinking, this is turning out so not how I envisioned it when I, when I wrote it. Were you disappointed in how it was? Yeah. Yeah. I was like. you had the story in your head. You wrote it. It's your story. Yeah. And like sometimes, um, like lines would come off kind of awkward and I was like, well, that's not really what I meant by that. You know, that kind of thing. And he wasn't really fixing it. And just misinterpreting so, your words. Yeah, so I, I don't even remember how it happened. It must have been like the third day of shooting or something like that, that um, somebody m- said something, and I was like, oh. I could, like, I, I just reacted without thinking that people could hear me. And so they all turned around, I was, and they're like, why, what's wrong? I was like, well, I kind of meant it this way. And so what happened after that, the rest of that day, was that every time... They would say something, they would finish a shoot, they'd be like, What do you think? I'd be like, Oh, okay, that was good. But that, that was, and so I started like directing the actors. Good for you. Just out of like sheer necessity because w- they weren't getting much but direction from, they were, yeah. from the other person. So they were being placed in frame and told to do their words. Yeah. Okay. And so I was like, No, no, this is, this is, no, that's, that was completely off. The acting and that sounded off. So I started, I started actually helping with, with the actors and he was more concentrated on the camera at that point. And then after, like, after a while, I even started saying, well, why don't we start, you know, start off by, you know, doing a close up of this and then moving, you know, panning (laughs) over (laughs) and slide, (laughs) pressing in. And before I knew, and like, I just kind of like stepped in without like, even realizing it half of, yeah, like it just kind of started happening. Um, and what happened to this uh, this gentleman? As this you was know all what? Going on? I give him full credit that he he, he allowed me to happen. do it. He did. He so he was not giving you resistance. Well, no. Like, okay. To to his credit and to everyone around you's credit, what from your first suggestion of oh uh, this is what I meant by that, they probably were like holy shit, this movie just got better. Why don't we let the person who wrote it? Interact a little more here and tell the a actors what's dream. going on. It <laughs> exactly, is, first of right? All, it's a very <laughs> rare thing that a writer gets to sit on set and press to make sure that the words they wrote come out the way they want it. That almost never fucking no. happens. Yeah. So it's weird because I had no plans at all of ever really producing. I had no real plans of ever really directing. I had never been on a set before. You were a writer. I was a writer. That's it. That's all I wanted to do. And you know, and to this day, if you were asking me what I want to, what's the thing I want to do the most, I'd say write. You know, that's I'm still at core more than anything a writer. But let me ask you something because it sounds like there's an evolution here. Because um, I direct as well, and I've and I and I've, I, I write as well. And you know, having done stand up, I look at myself and I wonder if it's the same thing with you. It's like at the end of the day, 
yes, you are a writer, but you're a storyteller. And I think you realized quickly that a director is not just a director that yells action. They're a storyteller. They are visually taking the written word and, re and, and either retelling it or giving it that extra step of life. Is that what you kind of found yourself attracted to as a storytelling? Probably, yeah. Like, I, I'll be honest, it wasn't even something that I, that I thought, oh, uh, this feels really cool. I want to start doing this now. Or, you know, why did I hire this guy? Let me put it. it really just, it happened so organically. Like, it just, it just, I will see my story being destroyed. And you were not happy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay, how can I make this a little bit better? And since, you know, I had my, you know, my investors' money in it. Like, I really was, like, concerned about how it was going to turn out. Um, how many days shoot was it total? I want to say 10. Okay. It might be, like, 12 or something like that. Now, wow. did you feel like, in hindsight, Feature as you're going through this... Mm? Feature length? Yeah. Wow. That's oh, cool. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I wasn't one of these, you know, n normal people that started doing a short. No, I, yeah. <laughs> I went and made a feature. Yep. 12 days. Hour, is 20 it? minutes. We got to shoot. But it's what, 12 days. I worked on a feature that was shot in 30 days. And I was like, man, that's quick. No, 12, like 12 days, days is. That's indie. That's, that's indie. That's lifetime movie. Like when, when at the Herald, we used to get a lot wow. of those. Those are about 12 days. Fix was 12, 12 or 14 days ago. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when you. you <laughs> You only got so much money, and yeah, you only got so much true. mileage. Mm -hmm. You got to get it. Did you feel like um, for those ten to twelve days? Um, did it feel rushed, or is was it, is is that hard now looking back on it? Did it seem rushed because obviously you have more experience now, or was it just one of those things you really didn't know anyway? So it was. I didn't what really it was. know anyway, so it it felt like. It felt normal, okay. you know, because I didn't realize how many takes it really, really <laughs> takes to get get it right. Uh, like now I know, yeah. but at the time I was like, okay, yeah, that's good enough. And um, yeah. when was I, this, by the way? Are you was this was this post film? Like, so are you shooting digital at this point? Yes. Okay. This All is right. 2011. 2011. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so yeah, I we finished it. It actually got into quite a bit of um, film festivals. And what happened at the time um, was that. I kind of took a step back and let the other person handle the distribution part of it and whatever, and um, he didn't really do anything with it. Um, heard a lot about that. I've heard a lot of <laughs> people yeah. would say when they would get to the distribution aspect of their feature, I hear a lot of distribution companies that don't do shit. Yeah, well, you know, th the thing is, uh, like I said, it was an ex, so we broke up in that interim. Because of or oh, it had a it, that played a lot into really? it. You're playing with yeah. the, really, you think the movie had something to do with? Did you oh, write things yeah. in there that were specifically mean to him? Were no, you, were you living together <laughs> and shooting at your house. Yes. <laughs> yes. So you oh so okay so you got who got the kids? You got the, <laughs> film, you got the film guys coming over every day, and then you're sort of like starting to be like, I'm not really digging this person anymore. It wasn't so much during the the filming as afterwards. Actually, it was more more in post production. Once it was that done, was oh, was how to fix it, how to make it what you want. Yeah, and and just just stuff. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to spend this time. No, no. speaking badly of him, but no, no, it, I, but there no, were there no. were there were gender role issues oh. that came up. Gotcha. Um, As in, you're just a woman. Yeah. <laughs> Do Why should woman? my name be first on any of the credits that we shared? I don't know, because without my <laughs> script, you'd have no movie. Yeah. 
even I, I that's the only that's the only credit I, I, I got was writing by myself. Uh, everything mm-hmm. else had to be shared, and um, and my name always had to go second. But everything worked out for the better, right? Oh my God, yes. There it is. Yeah. But that's a that's a, uh, that's an interesting undertaking. You're making your first first, like you said, feature length. You're like, I'm not going to start with a five minute short. I'm going to go <laughs> dive head. First Trust me, I wish point. I had. I would have learned everything I learned and not spend fifty thousand dollars. Yep, there you go. I was going to say, I mean? but but you know, I, I I'm with you on that. So one. can uh, uh, so let's talk about that for a second because as we know, it's it is the film business. We are talking a lot creatively and the process itself, but it is a film business. So now mm-hmm. here it is, your first time. You're doing all the things right by doing them all wrong, right? That's, that's <laughs> it. It turns out in the end. Yeah. You have to do all those things in order to learn whether this is something you should be doing or not or you give a shit about, right? But you did ask these people for money. Yes. And you did make a project. At what point did that all of a sudden become stressful? Did that ever become stressful for you? Oh, super. And, and how did you resolve that as time went by? Were you, ever, were, were you able to either, A, make all the money, at least make the money back, on yeah, that project, yeah. or how did you work that out with them? Like, because that's a big stressful part of all of this. No, not no, it, not at all. Yeah, it, it was, it was. Yes, it was very stressful, but no, not at all. Did we get their money? Get their money back? Which it, it never got distribution. Um, and um, it was just, it was like everything that could possibly go wrong went wrong. From but, from the from the. Actually, at the time, it was still... This is before Blockbuster closed. Oh, was okay. it still open at that time? Yeah. I it closed down, but okay. And so, I mean, I, I saw films that were equally of the same caliber mm-hmm. that were be, they were getting distribution. But by my walking away from the whole thing and leaving it in his hands... It didn't It, it, didn't, it just it kind of fell dead. Yeah. No pun intended. But um, <clears throat> the, the thing is, though, it's... And you now know this... That situation you just described, minus the you know breaking up and living together, too, the thing, but the rest of it is is it happens more frequently than mm-hmm. we'd like to admit. I think a lot of people, when you to the people that are not affiliated with Hollywood, they just assume, oh, you made a movie, so it's all ro- it's all roses, right? It's all up from here, and it's like no, the majority of independent films don't make their money back. They struggle to get distribution. Uh, a lot of the work will always and never stop falling on the shoulders of the people that put that thing together forever. Yeah. Or you just kind of walk from it, you learn from it, and you make another one, and hopefully it's rolling the dice. You eventually hit that one, and then you're back in the game where people, you know, because it, it is hard. Yeah. But you have to make a decision. It sucked. And s- we obviously know what your decision was. To but also by <laughs> why doesn't even make any sense, right? Well, no, I think I think by to me it makes sense. Now <laughs> to the average person, you're you're insane. <laughs> but 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 the you wanted to be you want like writing was your thing, and you never saw yourself as a director or a, a producer or anything. But in order to keep writing, you learn these things to get your story told, and in the process of that. Started directing your own stuff, right? I mean... Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's crazy because, I mean... And it's still in the back of my mind that one day I'll make, you know, a good deal of money. I'll be able to go back to those investors and give them their money back. Mm-hmm. Like I, because basically, they paid for my film school. Yeah? You know. And you're a good person for thinking like that. Oh, Whether always. they get paid back or not, the fact that it's in the back of your mind at all is, is always, genuine. Always, always, always. Like, that's... I, I don't know. I carry that with me to this day, even though it's what, you know, nine years later. Still. To this day, I feel like I, I need to make that right. So um, so I will do that one day. 
you know, as God is my witness. Yeah. <laughs> but but it made it, you know, a year afterwards um, that I was thinking, okay, do I want to? And it, it was like a weird year because all kinds of things went wrong. I got sick. Uh, I, I had to close down my law practice because I was very sick. Um, I My father passed away. I had to have a huge surgery that changed my entire life. And in the middle of that, it was like, okay, now I have to rebuild my life. Because like, literally, my life it imploded in 2012. Like, everything just fell apart. And it was like, okay, so do I restart my practice now after the surgery? Or I can make a movie and then restart my practice. <laughs> because, you know, such great memories. You know. <laughs> Because Must have been something in you, though. Yeah, because, you know, why not? I mean, so... How hard can making a movie be again? <laughs> <laughs> this time, this time I know what to do. So... Um, is that is That's probably the trigger, right? Like, you're like, I learned so much. And yeah. I get it. It was not easy. Like, you start having yeah. to read. It's like... But you're already... About well, women having multiple babies. They're like, didn't you complain about how horrible it was the first time? Yeah, here you are again. It's like, yeah, it's exactly like that. Like, you know, like something <laughs> releases in your in your brain that goes, no, no, this time is going to be different. And, and you, it was, actually. You were okay. broken up with the other person, so it was kind of your own deal. You yeah. Weren't, you weren't necessarily... We actually got back together, but I but I was like, well, we're not working together again. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Which caused another kind of problem. But are you guys still together? No, oh, okay, no, okay. no, no. Eventually, the fact that I kept making movies and he wasn't <laughs> making anything eventually caused the breakup. Yeah, okay. With okay. all the other stuff you were talking about personally going on in your life too, did you kind of feel like you know what's the, what is the, was there a, was there a purpose to life kind of thing for you too that kind of came in like sure I could just go practice law and just be that person, but you know what, life is short. Was was that a big part of it? Or it had nothing to do with it, or were you just still just? I mean, I think I think um, my father's. Um, passing had a lot to do with it because he he kept saying and this is a little bit tough to talk about because I'm a girl so I'm allowed to cry oh yeah, everybody's allowed to cry but don't <laughs> feel like you don't we don't want you to talk about anything you don't want to talk about this is my no, basement no, where I, I cry every day okay, so it's good, okay good good your tears are just gonna um, fall on my old tears no you know he kept saying to me I was, you know he he had lung cancer so I spent a lot of time with him in the hospital uh, leading up to when he passed and. And he kept saying, it just went by so fast. He's talking about life in general. Yeah. You know, he, he was 82, so he had, like, a pretty long life. Yeah. But he kept saying, I don't know. It, you know, like, the first part really took a long time, but the second half, like, it's like just a gas went tank. like that. It's like a gas tank. You get halfway full. It takes forever to get halfway full or halfway empty. And then as soon as you're at halfway, it's like five minutes later, you yeah. got no, no gas in the tank. And so that really got me thinking. I was like, okay, do I really want to get to my deathbed and be thinking... Oh, I didn't do anything with it. I played it safe always. Um, and it seemed like I had nothing to lose at that point. I had lost everything, you know. Um, so so I was like, okay, you know, let me just do it one more time. Same budget. Uh, but this time, I, I think I know what I want to do. And I was recovering from my surgery. And I um, was watching, and so I was like on, you know, watching TV like 24 hours a day. And they had a marathon of um, scare tactics. Remember that show? Mm. On sci- I worked sci-fi? on it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I was watching, his, laughing hysterically, and then thinking, this is terrible. How can do this? they do this to people? Was it real? John? Yeah. No, those, <laughs> were they really set I, up? I, I never worked that. on the original run you're talking about. I didn't work, but I know all those people. And those are legit, those are legit pranks. They don't, scare tactics never set 
They never told people what was happening. It was those were legit. I met one girl who was. If you ever saw the one where they ripped the car door off in the desert and the alien is there, uh-huh, yeah. I met that girl that was in the car and she was screaming, I hate you, I hate you. And I couldn't figure out if she was screaming at the alien or if she was screaming at her boyfriend because <laughs> her boyfriend ran as soon as it happened. She's like, well, I, I hate you, I hate you. But it was when I go, hey, were you on Scare Texas? She just goes, yes. Like she was already tired of talking about it. But yeah, that was, there's some legit terrifying shit they do on that show that makes people very, very scared. I, I always thought this is like the meanest thing ever. Yes. But I couldn't stop watching it. There you go. You know, it's like watching an accident. Did you have to look? Mm-hmm. And so, so I, and I kept, and as a lawyer, I kept thinking, like, somebody could have a heart attack. Somebody could, like, punch one of the actors. Thinking Someone could have a gun. Someone could have a knife. Someone yeah. could have, yep. Like, I started, I was like, like, how do they make sure something really bad doesn't happen? So that's started my mind thinking of but, that but they do but by the way they do though make sure that those bad things don't happen <laughs> they, they have an accomplice involved the accomplice knows the mark the mark is someone that is not a gun-toting lunatic and right. they if if it's a, we a should concern, go out tonight and not take our guns well, if it's I don't a know, concern just... they'll they have a fake security guard or they have somebody in the bit pat them down because usually the bits were you're going to meet this guy at a warehouse and then when you get patted down it becomes even creepier but also that's a way of okay. then finding Double out if you checking. have a weapon yeah 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 they have many many methods to make sure that their actors are very are are safe but yes go ahead but Sorry. I mean you can still punch somebody yep oh, absolutely yeah. you know so oh, yeah. and so my idea was that. Um, so the idea behind it was that, you know, there's this, um, once again, how to lock people up into one one, one yep. location, right? <laughs> uh, I'm like the one location queen. No, that's a good, that's a good kingdom to be ruler of. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, so they, they're going to this abandoned chemical plant um, and then um, they're bringing the chump uh, and it's a short call Scary Antics. Um, and so... And so they are going to, you know, scare him. But he ends up finding um, an axe that's one of those, you know, for that you find um, for like the fire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Breaking case of emergency. (laughs) Yeah, kind of thing. And thinking something really bad is happening, he ends up killing the actor. And then after that, he kind of goes crazy and... And everybody's locked into this, you know, abandoned, wor- you know, because the guy didn't want to pull permits. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Is that really part of it? You wrote yes. it? Was there also a hurricane? <laughs> no, no, uh, hurricane. no, no. But that I like that. It doesn't like, even say where it takes place. You make it's it taking place anywhere. <laughs> but he's, but he's like a, he's like a, a cheap ass filmmaker. He's like, nah, nah, pull permits for this. We're gonna run this prank, and then all of a sudden, like somebody takes an axe to the chest, and you're like, oh shit. Yeah, and they've been locked into this, into this, you know abandoned warehouse right so or whatever it was supposed to be a chemical plant um and so and then the only door that's open like the guy is there so you know you can't even get out that way plus it's supposed to you know they keep saying how you know it's like a really intricate place we don't even know where we are right that kind of thing. hallways and mazes and back rooms and basements and yeah so the only tough part about that was finding a building that even remotely fit that in miami because everything's so new and it Right out, you know, during the boom, you know, the real estate boom, like anything that was remotely abandoned was Bought. was destroyed, yeah. and uh, like a new, you know, high rise but it was built on it. So it was like, where the hell are we gonna shoot this? Uh, and luckily, the county had a um, building that I'm not. It was some kind of, I, I, it was an administrative office, but it was completely, you know, shuttered up and whatever to try to keep the homeless out. And so we just literally had to build the hallways because there weren't any 
you know. Hmm. But it was, a pr- I mean, they had left everything there. So there was like stuff thrown everywhere. So it was perfect. Already so dressed. Preset, you know, already preset already dressed. dressed yeah. All yeah. we had to do was create the hallways. And other than that, like we could use the, the, the space just as it was. Now, just to s- I'm stopping for a second, because you said all we had to do was create the hallways. So that means you also still have to have people that know how to do set construction. Yeah, 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 yeah. We had, we had, but... And you know, that but it was into, that Miami. Cuts into the it was Miami. It was people who were eager to make oh, a film okay. because it's not like it's not like everybody was making a feature film, right? Um, so I mean, super cheap. You know, like there's I, I doubt I'll be able to get that kind of you know price right, now. Right. ever again. Yeah, ever again you always get life. it once, right? You'll yeah. get it once. You're not going to get them twice. Yeah, yeah. So everybody was super excited, um, and. We shot it, I want to say that was also 12 days. Wow. Um, and um, and that actually, to this day, that's my most successful film. Like, it's the one that has made the most money. Okay. Because this is, this is before DVD sales died. This was before, um, you know, this it, it, it released right after Blockbuster closed, but... There was still a lot of DVD sales online. At the time. Yeah, online, and then we got picked up by Redbox. Nice. Oh, okay. So it was put like in thirty-five thousand machines. Oh, wow. that's nice. So now, that was, was that a, a good distribution situation that for you. That was a great distribution. I could redo that distribution deal. <laughs> and and did you? So let's talk about the. Uh, so the second go round, you know, it sounds like the production was a little bit easier because you learned some of the the traps once you found your location. On the post on that, um, were you? Did you take the helm of seeking distribution and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, as well? at that point it was me. I did everything. So you were the beginning. I was the, the only the producer. Okay. On you it. wrote it. You produced it. You I cast direct, it. I you cast it. I directed it. I. You hate yourself. No, I'm just kidding. Pretty much. That's yeah. a. That's a lot. I <laughs> mean, I love myself. Is what it is. That's <laughs> a lot of work. You love hate. Yeah, I did. I mean, I did every. I was the only producer on there. Like after that, I've I've, I've gone producing partners, but that one I did all by myself. Wow. Um and um. But you know, it it came out. And it was called scary antics. That's what no, you called the show. No, it's called hazmat. Hazmat. I've heard of that. Oh yeah. No, yeah. It did really well. It yeah. Did really really well. Uh, I bet the creators of Scare Tactics have probably seen it. Oh, probably. You know what I mean? Because it, it's just it, it kind of. I've I've always I've do I work in a lot of hidden camera, and we've done like back when we used to do a show called Room Four Hundred One with the same people I did Punked with. Um, we would go scout abandoned warehouses because we were really just trying to scare the shit out of people. And I remember being on a scout and thinking, man, I want to write a horror movie where five department heads from a production, go on a scout in some weird abandoned place like this, and one by one, they get picked off, and it turns out it's the production designer who was like, I do not want to shoot here, you fucking idiots. Because <laughs> our production designer was so angry at the time that I was like, yeah, he'd murder us all in here. Sure, this could be a thing. That's hilarious. Somebody just stole that, sto- that, that story idea. Right? Uh, <laughs> probably. So can I ask you a question? Let's talk about distribution just for a sec, because it it's a very intricate and interesting part of this business. Can you walk us through like what it means to actually what what the process is even trying to get distribution on something? Because I'm assuming, well, you'll tell me you either did it. Did you have something set up in advance, or did you have to have a final product and you pitched a final product? I think unless you are Jason Blum, you, most of the time you're gonna be pitching after it's done. No, nope. I mean, I've gotten letters after that to help 
raise money from investors saying things like, oh, we'd be, we'd be interested in, you know, distributing your phone, but there's always like, you know, if we like it after it's completed. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. So it doesn't really So matter. it has like no no binding effect whatsoever. Pre-sales, they, the times of pre-sales you hear about um, that people get money ahead of time to make films are pretty much gone unless you have a huge name talent yep. to it. Um, but that's going to get distribution no matter what. Yep. I mean, you know, unless it's really got awful. So did you, so what was your process? This thing is done and are you just picking up, or did you already have some groundwork laid in the previous one? Or were you just picking up the phone and no, sending calls? Or? No, this was actually that one. Um, we were, before I even finished post, I was getting contacted. Okay. Um, now, were you sending them samples or, or they just? No, they were contacting me. And then uh, one of the people who contacted me was a sales agent. Okay. Um, and after speaking to like three or four sales agents and kind of like seeing what they had sold and and calling, you know, this thing is very important. I contacted like randomly um, filmmakers that they had represented mm -hmm. and asked, you know, for references. Um, and everybody said good things about him. So, so I did, uh, I signed with him. He was, he asked for 20% of the sales, um, revenue, but he also had no costs, which I think he's the only one who does that. Um, cause everybody else goes through all the film markets and stuff like that. And, all that. and you have to pay for all that. And that yeah. That's first, right? It's like they, they get first yeah. dibs on that money before you would ever see anything, which exactly. is why that's important. And so since he had like, his costs were like $1,000, that was it. Um, and so he sold that, he sold the um, North America to Uncorked Entertainment, who I love very much. Um, they've now distributed three of my films. Um, and, um, and then he sold, I want to say, North America, uh, the UK? He did another territory. like Another English-speaking. Yeah, like yeah. I think the UK and Australia or okay. something like that. Um, but then he wasn't going to film markets. So he was very good for for domestic distribution. Okay. International, not so much. So okay. as much as he had helped us, and, and we, we made enough from North America to pay off the film and, and make money. Um, but still, I mean, you have all these other territories you can sell to. And especially that type of movie does translate. You know, they always talk about comedy may not translate. Like yeah. certain stories, American stories, will not translate into foreign markets. We all know that thriller, suspense, horror has a, a, a higher action. There are certain ones that's like it's they get it, you yeah. know. They're not confused by it. So, did you end up getting a separate deal to get to, to go into for, or foreign markets or no? I'm not on that. Well, one. the way that sales agents works, like you have a, it's kind of like a, since I was in real estate, it, it kind of reminds me of how, like hiring a realtor. You know, I mean, if they if they sell your house, they get their commission. Um, right. But think of it as like if I don't know if you were selling an apartment building and you're selling different apartments, you know they can sell one, one building, one one apartment, but then you still have other units that you need to sell. Yes, and you can get different. You know you can decide. Okay, you, you get did a good job. You get did a good job on this, but you're not selling anything else. So now I'm going to move to another realtor. And it was the same thing with a sales agency. You know, I, and I have been honest. I I've been through a lot of sales agencies. Um, since I started, I want to count one, two, I think I'm on my fourth right now. I had one that worked really well for a long time. Um, and then it, it was called, um, high, no, sorry, 
what was it called before? Forget Empress Road. And then the partners split up. Okay. And um, and I'll mention the name because I'm right now I'm very pissed at them. <laughs> um, and the new the new company became um, High Octane, and I don't know everything's gone downhill. I it, it it's incredible how you can have a company you're like I was recommending to everybody. I'm like they're honest, they're good, you know, they're wonderful to work with, and all of a sudden there's a a shift in personnel, and all of a sudden you're like. They don't answer emails. They don't send your sales reports anymore. It's terrible. It's such a fickle business, man. It is yeah. just unbelievable. That's why, like, again, there no success guarantees the next step of success. It's it's yeah. you constantly find yourself shape shifting and readjusting and reestablishing. It's just it's and I only say all that stuff because if anybody that lives in the real world and works in the real world, everything is very linear. It just goes, Well, I work really hard, I get my raises, I get my raises, sometimes I get a promotion. It's like it's like this very like boom, boom, boom. And it's there was a great um uh Twitter feed w- with Christopher McQuarrie was talking about his journey. I don't know if you saw that on Twitter. Oh yeah, the um he wrote uh The Usual Suspects. Yes. And he talked about like he was just like and then I thought for sure, well, this was a huge success. So here goes my career. He goes, cut to eight years later. And it's just like, you're just, and he reads a journey. It wasn't a boohoo. He was just saying, hey, look, man, it's not and, what you think it is. And that's a usual suspects. Like, yeah. I don't know if you saw that movie, <laughs> yeah, but that's that's a movie that I saw in college on, on VHS. And we immediately rewound and watched the second time because we were like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> and we were, I was so blown away by that movie. I was like, oh, man, this is awesome. I love this movie. And then, like, for a guy who wrote that, you'd think everybody would want to talk to this guy about writing the next script. Well, they did, but he wasn't making any money doing it. That's, yeah. Again, it's that, it's if there's a stability aspect here, you know, you're talking about money and wanting to pay people back. It's like there's, it. you can't escape that part of it. You can be as creative as you want, yeah. but there's a, that other anchor there that you can't escape if you want to be a part of this business. And it, and it never goes away, and it, and it can be very stressful. I am, it is, so how did you feel... Because obviously, that I'm assuming that was a huge turning point for you as to whether you're going to keep doing this, right? Right. It worked out way better. Did you, during that time, did you feel a greater sense of accomplishment? Could you feel a, a, a turning of a corner? Or did it take you, do you have to look back on it now and see that? Or did, did you recognize it at the time? No, at the time I was walking on air. I mean, I was just was like, oh, this is so easy. I can do this, you know. Anytime, all the time, I can come up with you know twenty stories where I trap people in a building, <laughs> and that was going to be your thing. Well, I I knew that unless unless some I knew that that the kind of money we could make was limited by our budget. Um, I mean, you're not going to make you, you know the whole um, Blair Witch Project thing and whatever is. It's like winning the lottery. You it's know? an anomaly. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it it that's doesn't not, happen. Yeah, just make a found footage movie and you'll be a billionaire. Yeah, like, especially because there's so many films out there now. It's not like before yeah. where you know. And I think I think that was also with Blair Witch Project. There was a there was not a lot of horror being made at that time, and so, nothing like that. So at that point, any anybody who was a, like a horror filmmaker was or horror lover was like, I have to go see this because it's the next horror movie being released. You know. So yeah, I saw it in the theater. Um, and it was. It was, and this is even before social media. So they, they were able to get that much buzz without word of mouth without, buzz without social yeah. media. I mean, that's all that movie was. Like, you, there was no, I you see maybe a commercial or two for it on TV, but but all, but you would know what it was. You'd be like, what is this? Yeah. You'd have no idea. And then you, 
someone's like, oh man, you got to see that movie. And that's literally how why I went and saw it. Everyone was like, dude, I just saw this. You got to see it. And I was well, like, it oh, was, man. and I watched it, and I thought it was terrible, but. <laughs> <laughs> It made me sick, actually. Real? Oh, be, oh, oh, a yeah, lot of yeah. people complain about I got, the, I got the motion. motion sick watching yeah. it, but but I had to recognize that the buzz about whether it was real or not was so was so loud at that point. That, yeah, dude, know, that's you, all the, every article. Every, that's all everyone talk about. Was it real? Was it real? Is it really found footage? Now, of course, now you can't do it again. Nobody's no, ever well, going to believe that it's found. But you know, that's you an old I, carnival trick, and that's an old ring. That's a that, that's an old circus trick as well. If you watch a lot of film history they realized early on if you go and, and they used to do this in the circus is like this is gonna make you sick or this is the <laughs> you know what i mean like they do these things banned in 40 countries it works every single time and that was that thing with that movie they realized well, well yeah but if you tell everybody of course it's not real <laughs> but never admit it right just avoid it as long as you can because that hype is your marketing that hype is putting butts in the seats. But like you said, you saying you got sick watching the movie mm-hmm. is not a negative to them. That was like, oh my god! Oh, they're running. What movie are you watching that's making you that ill? I need to do that. <laughs> they were telling you like you might get sick from this movie because of the way the cameras move and everything. They were they would. They... I, really, I don't remember that. I just remember like the whole thing that I heard because like once again it was word of mouth. So it depends on who you who you heard who you it talk from. to. Uh, all I heard was like, it's like real footage. Like they really found this footage of these people getting killed. It's like, oh God, I gotta, I gotta watch that, you know. And then um, I don't. Did you, did you see the second one they made? Oh, that, that yeah, was that was completely different. Oh, <laughs> but like you said, they couldn't do the found footage thing again. So what they did do was literally make something that I would not have wiped my ass with. <laughs> like I, I thought that movie was so bad. That second yeah. movie was single. So part, single and part. I haven't seen the remake, so I don't know. There's a remake? Yeah, like recent, like two or three years ago. Hey, reboot it just like Spider-Man. What Keep are we doing? Remake? Over, like, reboot. Of the first one. Okay, here's a remake of found footage that may or may not be re- What are you talking about? Uh, that's ah. weird. I don't know. Oh, I it's all I YouTube stars now. Yeah. No, I didn't know they remade it. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. So your six. So this is all still Florida, correct? So this th- is on Florida. Yeah. At what point do you was was that the last movie you film that you made in Florida, or were you? No, still I made one more. One more. Okay. Which I was. This is where I learned about shooting in in L.A. Because I was like, oh, I'm going to shoot the next one in L.A. And why was that? Because that's just because you do. That's just what you do. Because because I wanted like have some name talent. And okay. it felt like, okay, to fly them out here, put them in hotels would be a lot more expensive. And it turned out that, no, it was actually cheaper. Even <laughs> flying them first class and putting them in hotels was still cheaper than shooting out here. Yes. Wow. Um, and so and it has Tony Todd. It has Cassie Skirbel from um, from all the Sharknado movies. And Wait, um, uh, the um, her third film, which, which is called? Right, but when you say this... I'm sorry. What was it called? Agoraphobia. Agoraphobia. When you say uh, all the Sharknado movies, was she is she the uh, daughter? She is. What did she say exactly? Um, I forgot the name of the the character right now. Or is she the bartender who? I think she's the bartender. The bartender who kicks <laughs> ass eventually. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Good, because I almost felt like I had to grab my phone and Google this. But no, she, but yeah. she's like in like four of the five. Yeah, she's in. She, I think she's not in one of them, but she's in all the other ones, and uh, she she does like a lot of TV movies and stuff yeah. like that. Um, so you know, so it was it was it was a nightmare of a shoot. And that, why was that? So, but this is still Miami. This is still in Miami. And, and it, it was a private home. Okay. But unfortunately, I know we'll never make this mistake again. It was shot while the owner was still living there. Oh. Um, and yeah, and it was, it was just very difficult to walk around. 
you know, somebody living there and like basically putting the house back together every night after we after we filmed. Oh, I thought you were uh, gonna say the owner was kind of like you in your first movie. They came over and you shot a scene. And they went, "Ooh, no, that's not." <laughs> You're like, "Wait a minute, I feel like I've no, seen this part before." No, no, no. I mean, he wasn't. He was. He wasn't there during production. Good. But he, he wasn't walking around with a robe and ideas. Yeah, no. He okay. was coming home every night, and we, so we had to, you know, like if if you spend one day after production, like putting everything back together, it's kind of. You know. How many hours a day were you trying to? Sh- were you shoot like as an example? You had to negotiate with his house. So what were your hours? I mean, we we're still doing twelve hour still days. Twelve hour days, but okay. one of those hours was spent putting cleaning yeah. and you know yeah. and stuff like that. It wasn't shooting for twelve, giving uh, getting another two hours to reset the house. Yeah. It was we got to get these shots done because this has got to be reset by such and such time. Yeah, and then um, had some issues with the crew as well because. By that point, already a lot of people had been leaving. So what was left in terms of crew were people who were working a lot on commercials. Okay. And it's a different kind of filming altogether. Yeah. Um, I mean, they shoot, you know, <coughs> for five days for, for a 30-second spot. Yes. You're shooting, you know... 10 pages, which is like 10 minutes of film. Yeah. <laughs> You're shooting what we call a, a lot. Yeah. 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 You know, You're squeezing within, it in. Within one day. So it was like, no, no, this, we have to do like go, this go. changes. And even though we're still in one location <laughs> primarily, we did, we did have to go to a couple of locations, but, um, but it still was like, I mean, we need to move these lights quickly. We need to set yeah. up the camera a lot quicker than this. Everything's going really slow. Yeah, you can't. You don't um, have time to look for people at craft well, service. And it you says need a to lot go. about independent filmmaking too. Uh, at least, and I, I don't know if you found this, but you really need to have a crew that's just all in. They've made mm-hmm. the decision. We're doing this, and at times it's going to feel run and gun. At times it's going to be stressful, but it's okay. Yeah. We're all in this together. Let's just make the best of it. And that you usually get the best products out of that because people a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes that it's not necessarily it can have an effect on what what is on the screen. Absolutely, oh yeah, for sure. Like Absolutely. if you ta- if you're taking that long and your whole attitude is like, well, uh, that's not my job, Mm-mm. and that kind of thing. No place for that um, in independent filmmaking. You know, you it. It takes so long, and so you can only get so many takes of any one scene. Yeah. And sometimes, literally, we had, like, one shot of an entire scene, and then we had to, in post-production, try to make it look like we actually had, you know, other shots. Oh, yeah. um, we had, I had... One time, it was it was at a place where they had a homeowner's association, <laughs> so somebody <laughs> called the cops. <laughs> and even though we were able to perfectly fine, you know, deal with it, whatever, because, you know, we don't need permits, and we had... The owner had run it past um, the associations. We had permission from them, but it still was a huge delay. Stuff like that, you know, just random crazy delays. Uh, the DP was late for like three hours one day. I mean, just crazy yeah. stuff <laughs> that um, that you can't plan for. No, but that's you just summed up independent filmmaking. It's like it's not. I think you can go in with the best intentions, with, with all the safety nets in place and do all that. But the thing is, there's always going to be something that's going to slightly go off the rails. Mm-hmm. The question is, how do you deal with it? Yeah. Yeah. How, do you, how do you keep that, that, th- th- this, this thing moving forward? Because somebody's got to have that end game, end game mentality all the time. Otherwise, it's just going to fall apart, it seems, right? Yeah, and it was, it, was, it was probably the most difficult shoot I've ever had. I mean, it was... And the funny thing is we had the biggest crew that I've ever had. But that seems to have run you out of Miami. Yeah. <laughs> how was, how was it the incentives that took you there ultimately to go to Atlanta? Is or was or you just felt like you had maxed yourself out in 
your hometown? Um, no, it just it really, I it really was, you know, with actors leaving and crew leaving. How are you gonna make? How are you gonna make more movies? It's just yeah. impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, also, location wise, yeah, you know, everything in Miami is so Miami. beautiful and new. It's really hard to make it look creepy. Okay. <laughs> you know? Uh, other than that one abandoned building, really, <laughs> I, other you know, all everything, of Miami everything looks, one abandoned you know, building. so just gorgeous. It's like, well, if you want to make a movie, like even the movie, you know, an Agoraphobia that we, sh- we shot in this gorgeous house, you know, and it looks really pretty, but it doesn't look scoop- spooky. Right. right. You know, uh, we did the best we could with that location, but it really, you know, would I have rather have like an old house, you know, with... Wall, ugly wallpaper, and yeah. <laughs> instead of like this pristine, you know, gorgeous house, you know, um, yeah, absolutely. So when you decided to move to Atlanta, did you have connections there, friends there, a place you like, uh, an ability to set up, or was that all on you? And you were like, I'm going there, and I'm gonna have to set a life up here first, and then start doing what I want to do here. Well, you know, my life has always just taken whatever turns it takes. And what happened was I had lived in Atlanta before. Oh, you had? Okay. Um, during, like, the real estate boom, I was flipping properties okay. in, in Atlanta. So I had sold most of my real estate after, you know, the the big um, recession, except for, for one house that I kept as an investment property. And so we were actually on the set of Agoraphobia, and... All these actors are like, well, we have, you know, we're on break and lunch. And everybody's like, oh, we have to leave because, you know, there's no work here. So we're going to move to, should we go to New Orleans or should we go to Atlanta? I was like, hmm, I own a house in Atlanta. And my tenants are moving out in September. It's like a really big house, like four-bedroom house. We could all just move there together. (laughs) And that's exactly what we did, you know. And I I created kind of like this... um, you know, house for wayward uh, Sephora <laughs> <laughs> talent. Wow. That would move to my house, you know, for a few months and, you know, and go... Get work in production. Get work and, and move to their own places or whatever. But it became like... I, I Like, one person was there their entire time. Everybody else would, like, come in and out as they needed. Wow. Yeah. And how long... That's awesome, though. How long <laughs> from really making cool. that crazy idea or having th- that idea at a lunch break, how long um, after getting there did you start getting back into production and making stuff? Well, I, I moved to Atlanta mid-September, and February I shot the next film. You did? Film. Okay, so that yeah. quick. Now, were you at this point where you... Did you kind of have a system in place like... Uh, this is how long I'm gonna, I'm going to take this amount of time to write a script. I know who I'm going to go to for my finance. And did you kind of have like a little your own little mini studio plan in place for yourself? So as you were doing this, you you kind of had a window of like it's all going to happen in this time. And this I already know how I'm going to make this. Yeah, I mean, I grow forward. We had new investors, um, which have just been paid off. This this in 2019. So like, phew. Doesn't matter the fact huge, that you use the term paid off, off is, of yeah. my shoulders. Yeah. Um, and that turned, uh, we didn't talk about that, but like that turned into a big deal. Like, I ended up having to sue the distributors for that. And then I also had to sue these little companies you might have heard of Google, Amazon, and Jeez. Microsoft. You had to sue Google, <laughs> Amazon, and Microsoft. Yeah. And we were in litigation for four years. We finally settled last year. Um, so we finally got paid. I assume that was a nice payday for you. It it was not, but oh. the investors got paid. Okay. So that's all I care about. Okay. I, I could have kept it going, but 
it was training me emotionally. Um, financially, probably. I, just, I mean, I guess you're your own lawyer at this point. No, what? no, I had to hire because I'm not, I'm not, you're not a practicing IP, in, yeah. you know, attorney. So you, you got to get people who actually know what they're doing. Much less litigation. I don't know anything about, but, but, still, I mean, I I came out of pocket to hire them mm-hmm. because I was not gonna let that go. I'm super stubborn. No, oh, <laughs> good for you. Good I'm for like, you. I know every other indie filmmaker would just walk away from this, but you're messing with the wrong. Well, yeah, if you have the ways and the means, <laughs> and you understand what you're doing, go get it. I mean, especially that those come fuck those guys, the fucking Google, Amazon, the fucking everybody John, should sue listening. them. Yeah, I know they are. Everybody <laughs> should sue them. Yeah, well, I mean, it, so I finally settled, but but in the meantime, that was on hold. So I could, I really didn't feel right going back to investors at that point. But thankfully, Hazmat at that point was making had made good money, and oh. we had we had the investors in that were like, okay, we're we're good. You don't need to give it back to us. We just want we wanted these were mostly friends. Okay. Uh, and and I had put some of my own money into it, and everybody was just like, "Okay, that's good." You know, we just wanted to help you. you yeah. Know? And it wasn't like a lot of money. Nobody gave like a big chunk. It was okay. just like little. It was your own little personal Kickstarter plan. Yeah, but with friends. Yeah. Uh, no, like work contacts or anything like that. And then, um, and so they were like, "Yep, that's good. We don't we don't need it." So it was like, "Okay, so let's really invest this into the next one." And that's where All Girls Weekend came in. And that we shot, gosh, same kind of days, I think. Uh, and we shot it in the mountains in Georgia. And it was during <laughs> during the winter. Ooh. And it was, and it, was, it was funny because it hadn't snowed all winter. Of course not. Because it doesn't snow very often there. Unless you want to film there. Unless mm-hmm. you want to. On specific uh, days. On, on, you know, once you have everything set up. And we might... It was set up so that we could reschedule, but we ended up um, casting Jamie Bernadette, um, and she was flying in from L.A. So now, all of a sudden, now we had to shoot on the days we were we were set to shoot. And Exterior, snowy mountains. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and um, so that, that was... Um, first, we were limited by the, the amount of light. Because winter is much shorter days, mm-hmm. and the light changes constantly, mm-hmm. and you're shooting exterior, so sounds fun so far. Keep so going, yeah. <laughs> so matching light from one shot to the next was a nightmare, um, and I want to say second day, and it wasn't even it wasn't even like on the on the weather report that yeah. it was supposed to snow, and then all of a sudden it started snowing. Um, luckily, we were filming the end of the film. And so we're like, okay, we'll add this as to, you know, it's it's like nature getting back at them and like killing them off. So it was like, oh, this is the way, another way that she See, just, you adapt, you know. So you start showing the snow. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. oh, what else could go wrong? Oh, wait, now it snows, you know. So it works out perfectly in the story. Oh, nice. Um, but... Then it didn't snow and we shot the <sighs> beginning and then it snowed again. And we were, and all of a sudden it's like, okay, what do we do? Because there wasn't snow in the last take. So, and now we're at the beginning of a story. So what do we do? So we literally had to like sweep the floor to get the snow 
and Mega just sh- and just shoot one way through the camera so that way you only see behind them <laughs> so you don't see that there's snow every like wow. right off frame just a, just a little <laughs> tiny area no snow and then there's a like, man it's really warm today it's just filmmaking everybody <laughs> just so you're very aware if it's not in frame filmmaking. it's not in the world so that was that was probably the hardest part about that. And then, you know, just instead of 12-hour shooting days, we, we had to do, like, eight. So that cuts down Cause of the sun. a lot. And we had one that would turn into, like, a major... The, that one that was an unexpected thing was, like, a major snowstorm. And it started, like, at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So I had... So... And I was... We were shooting, like, an hour away. And, uh, and everybody else was staying in this cabin. But I was not. I was still staying in my house, which was, like, an hour and a half. I wasn't gonna make anybody else drive three hours every day to go right, right. Right. set, but I was I was willing to do it because there's no way we all f- fit in there, um, and so so I had to leave because otherwise I would have been snowed in. Oh man! And you know, <laughs> Georgia is not really <laughs> snow ready most of yeah. The they're time. not equipped to deal with it. They're not like we got plows coming by. You'll be good in an hour. It's like yeah. And this this was right after I don't know if you remember there was a, a year like a, a year where. People actually got stuck overnight on the 285. Yes, I do remember that. (laughs) So after that. That was insane. I was like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be caught in my car after it snows and be. (laughs) Well, man, that's another one of your movies. Yeah, that exactly. Trapped in a car. Talk about one location inside (laughs) a car. (laughs) How to make that interesting for for an an hour and a half. For an entire hour and 25 minutes. Uh, so yeah, that was that was uh, a fun shoot, except for the weather part. Um, but it was it was a super small crew. We had seven people. Wow, but that's okay. You know, I, a lot of times people look at that and go, "Oh," and sometimes you oh, go, "No, no, no. I like actually, it. you can move quicker. So you're much not quicker. managing so many moving parts, if especially if what you're doing is not requiring a ton of stuff. It doesn't matter. Then it's like yeah. it's keep it streamlined." Keep it simple. That doesn't that doesn't always equate to difficult or bad. No, it was it was way easier than when when I had a crew of like forty people. I, yeah, I feel like the more intimate the crew, the smaller the crew. The, everybody is sort of on the same page. They're going towards the same goal. There's no one guy going, "Oh, these fucking actors," or there's no one complainer. It's like they're all you're all so close. It's like if you're gonna complain, I'm gonna hear it, and that's gonna be really annoying. So don't do that. Like, and everyone just sort of works together for the to get to the final end game i don't yeah, know the only bad thing that, that happened between the crew was that one guy got a cold and then everybody else got it like yeah. <laughs> it really that's went. bound to happen <laughs> if you're shooting in the snow anywhere um yeah outside yeah. winter what was i you maybe already said this what was what was the name of that one all girls weekend all girls weekend and and then did you shoot more before you so how long ago was that and when did when did you finally decide we shot that in 2015. 2015. How many more movies did you make in Atlanta before you decided you were coming to L.A.? One more. One more. And okay. actually, it wasn't technically in, in Atlanta. I ha- actually had trouble finding a house I could use Okay. Um, in Atlanta. Um, and I probably, I, you know, the thing is with using people's houses is that y- you got to have somebody who, who really does not care about their house. Mm-hmm. Who understands that a film crew is going to come in there and fuck shit up? Something's going to get broken. Yeah. yeah. And so and so a friend of mine recommended his uncle's house in in Chattanooga, which is um like 2 hours away from Atlanta. Okay. Um and um Tennessee, right? Yeah. Right. And so we used that house. Okay. And it, it had to also be a house that was in the middle of nowhere to sell the fact that, you know, you're torturing a guy in a basement and nobody sure. can hear this. Um, so, and his house, 
was a gorgeous house, just not kept up at all. It was like falling it's apart. Perfect. Wow. Sounds perfect. It's it was it was great except that it legitimately was falling apart. It was legitimately <laughs> falling apart. Dangerous. So, um and and then other things happened like he told us that, you know, okay, you're going to have the house for 2 weeks. Perfect, terrific, wonderful. Um and I kept saying cuz there's people living there now, but like they won't be here, right? He's like, "No, no, no. I'm fitting I'm renovating some stuff. I'm putting in an, oh, it had this this sunroom for lack of a better word. I don't I'm really sure what it's supposed to be, but it had like you know, glass windows all around. Um, and then it had no floor. And he said, so I'm putting new floor there. Perfect, great, terrific. Um, that's going to look really great on camera. It had this this basement that was unfinished. It was only, like, partially finished. And so it had, like, something that looked like a cave underneath the house. So it was, like, perfect. Creepy. Yeah. Terrific. Yeah. This is wonderful. Guys getting, you know. And so I actually didn't write the script until I found the house. Okay. So I you had the it. idea, or I had the idea, and yeah. people kept saying, "Can I read the script?" I'm like, "Not yet, but <laughs> <laughs> but when I write it, yeah, <laughs> not yet." But this is the story behind it. Yeah. And so I waited till I actually saw the location, and then I wrote it specifically to that location. Interesting. I wonder how many to- how many times that gets done. No, I like really had everything set up before I ever wrote the script. Huh. No, I was waiting for you to say, and then everything changed. Yeah. But nothing did. So the people did move out. No, when oh. we got there. <laughs> When we got there, there were about five people living there. Oh, Jesus. And because he had like rented out rooms and uh, stuff. Okay. And so we had to shoot around them. Oh, they didn't. So he did, they didn't go to hotels. They no. stayed. Yeah. Did some of them stay in there all day? Um, yeah, we had this, this lady. She had like a like the backside of the house. And he had told them, he had, I don't know. I don't know what to believe him or not but he has said that he actually like said don't pay rent this month if you if you go somewhere else and she took the rent break and didn't didn't go um so she was there all the time i had we had another guy that super nice guy he was very sweet and and helpful and was a friend to his day but he had to sleep there every day and we, we shot nights sometimes um and he had to you know go to work Get up, take use a shot. We had one working bathroom. Oh no! Oh no! And it was three actors and seven seven people. Oh working on the shit. thing, staying there. <laughs> so we had air mattresses. It was the good thing was like we had all worked together before, mm-hmm. so it was almost like summer camp kind of okay. thing. Yeah. You know, it was the like bad thing was that everyone's taking a dump into <laughs> the same toilet every day. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> and yeah, we had one shower. And all these people. Oh, man. It, you know, it's a um, hairball. We had the, the woman went off on us at one point. I still have a video of that because we oh, were. Oh, good, good. You know, <laughs> we, were, we, were sh- we were filming when she came out and started screaming at us. Um, Didn't make the cut? <laughs> <laughs> no, can you believe it? <laughs> Crazy ghost lady <laughs> screaming at us. Uh, and she would, like, turn on the TV really loud just to annoy us, you know, that kind of thing. But even then, that's still was not as bad as shooting in the, in the nice, expensive house. In my <laughs> um, we, you know, oh, it, it rained really, really, really hard one time, and the basement flooded, <laughs> and we had everything set up in the basement, and the cameras were actually, like, plugged in. So when it rained, it took the electricity out of the entire house <laughs> for, like, half a day. Holy shit. <laughs> so, and then we had to, like, scoop the water out of the basement. Oh, my God. You, this is... This is 12 days of barely trying to make... You're, you're barely <laughs> shooting any film. You're, like, doing chores. It was it was an adventure. And then we got to the... One of the last things we had to do was to shoot in this in this sunroom. 
and he had never put those the, the, put the floor in the floor floor in and he kept i said well we have one day like one day break we were, we were shooting six days taking a day break and then six more days and i was like well can you on the day off can, can you, put, you the floor put plywood there or something and what he did was just basically just put on part of the floor he just put like pieces of plywood that were not even like <laughs> nailed down, not connected, nothing. So you're sliding all over the place randomly. So we had to like just put the furniture on top and and not show the fl- in the frame. You don't show the floor. You don't show the floor. Yeah, uh, but like literally, if you walked on the, on the planks of of bounced <laughs> it, uh, the, like the furniture bounced <laughs> and the camera bounced. No one could move. This this a scene of people just. De- not moving, <laughs> barely moving their lips to get their point across. Oh man! It was, it was. I mean, but you know, it's that's the thing that makes filmmaking such an adventure. That, but first of all, I agree with you that the that's the kind of thing that I think when I first got involved in in production would frustrate me to no end. You know, like, uh, but it, it, when you're done with something like that, you got stories for days. You know what I mean? Like to me, that's like. It, the the it, it's a puzzle. It's all a giant yeah. puzzle, and I'm not like a puzzle. I don't lay out little tiny puzzles and do them. But like the p- idea of production and like fitting pieces in, and and when you have to shooting around something or shooting over something, or you know sometimes that can really benefit the film. Like I, I always use Jaws as an as like the shark not working, mm-hmm. always sinking to the bottom. Them not being able to show the shark like they wanted to, then made them. Uh, made at least Spielberg kind of reevaluate how they were, he was going to direct this, and then it became more suspenseful by not seeing the shark. You know, so sometimes that stuff can work to your advantage. But yes, while it's happening, people walking into the shot, yelling at you, it that's insane. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I definitely I kept it because the thing was it was and it wasn't completely finished. Like the the unfinished basement was right underneath. So like if you walked off of the the plywood, you literally would l- you went fall into the other like, set into the other set, you know, down like I don't know like ten feet or something Jesus. too. So I kept thinking of the whole you know uh, train store yes. situation. I'm like, oh god, please don't let something like this. So I kept like, okay, be very careful when you're walking. Well, there yeah. lies part of the thing is <laughs> you're being aware of the situation and realizing yeah. that there's a there's there is danger there. And also, you, you know? asked the guy to put a floor in, and yeah. he did not. So I mean, hold on, are you saying that in this business, people <laughs> will say they're going to do things and they end up not doing it? I've heard of it. Oh. I've heard of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is this is a homeowner. I I don't. I mean, I I don't. I I don't. I keep falling into that trap. <laughs> well, because yeah. you have no choice. No, and that's the again. At some point, I mean, if you think about it, like you, every every little journey that you've explained to us, it has its pitfalls. Something, so it doesn't perfection doesn't exist anyway, right? So yeah. you kind of have to go in mentally prepared. I know at some point. I hope it doesn't go off the rails. Oh yeah. I hope it doesn't. But if it does, I got to be prepared. To ha- the first thought is, what am I going to do about it? Because I remember when I made a film once, I called a buddy of mine. We were having some finance problems, and 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 he had made a ton of independent films. And all he said to me, he goes, "Go back to work." I go, "What?" But he, I'm like, "But you, but you don't understand. I'm worried we're gonna run out of money." He goes, "The movie's getting made, dude. It's too late. Just go back to work. Trust me. Do it. It's gonna take care of itself." He's like, "If you're already worried about it, you know, I know you're trying to solve the problem. It's gonna get fixed. You got. You already said you were gonna make the movie. Just go finish." And he's right. Yeah, it's like I've taken that mentality ever since. It's like you know, people start freaking out about something. Like, okay, finish your freak out, and then yeah, I mean, I I think kind of you know, going back to like 
decisions you make in your life that afterwards help you and you don't even think about it. But having had m run my own business and managing people and stuff like that has helped me tremendously as a director because I never, you don't, I don't ever freak out. I'm always like, okay, it's a problem. How do we solve it? Uh, like, that's what I did for many years as an attorney. I was a problem solver. A problem yeah. solver. <laughs> yes. but, that, but that's a key point of it is it, people will freak out at it. Well, we can't do this. We got this thing going on. It's like, okay, we see that's going on. How do we get around it? What can we do? There's yeah. a difference between solving problems and just pointing them out all the time. And when you finish that one, um, did you get a decent distribution deal out of that one as well? And was that, and what, what, what this is obviously, I'm curious as to when that all went down and when you finally went, all right, it's on to LA, it's time to go to LA. Well, that was, we shot that one in 2016. Um, and then, so then I had to get, you know, do posts, whatever, distribution. And this is the part I don't think anybody is talking a lot right now, but it's right now, it's like, it's a mayhem. It's crazy. Yeah. Everything has changed so dramatically. Mm -hmm. There's no DVD sales anymore. Nope. Um, so everything's streaming. Nobody wants to pay for entertainment. Um, part of the reason of the lawsuit was the that um, my film was pirated. So by it being released without authorization, they basically devalued it completely. Mm -hmm. Um, so, and now, like, it, and I, I could even understand agoraphobia because I had Tony Todd in it, you know, um, but any indie film, even if there's nobody in it, gets distributed and gets put in all kinds of websites, like, mm -hmm. two days later. Yeah. And you're like, really, you go through that much trouble to get a film that nobody cares about, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, it still happens. And it's, it's insane. Um, so... So what I did with Hazmat, I don't think can be done again, to mm -hmm. be honest, unless you get some bigger names, right. you know, that you can get a really, really decent, you know, minimum guarantee. I mean, Tony Todd is a bi especially in horror, that's a big name. Yeah. Yeah. So I could understand when that one, when that one got pirated, I'm like, okay, people could search yeah. Tony Todd and you find it, but like, who the hell is going to be searching? There's nobody in Old Girls Weekend, you know, I know all these girls are going to be hugely famous one day. But they're not right. name talents. They weren't definitely when they got released in 2016. Um, Jamie Bernadette now has done you know a couple of other films that are gonna make her. Jamie, that name is super familiar. What she's in the she's in the new. Um, um, oh God. Um, okay, it's gonna come to me. But right now, like totally drawing a blank. Um, but you know she's she's really good and and she's becoming she's. Definitely going to become within the yeah. next year or two years. Sure. I love her. She's wonderful and she's great to work with. Mm -hmm. But anybody wants to work with her, um, just really one of the nicest, most most down to earth people. Um, but uh, oh, I spit on your grave, deja vu. Oh, Sorry. she's the lead in that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Chad uh, Lindbergh's in that. I spit on your grave, right? Um, I don't. I don't know. I actually haven't seen it. Yeah, Chad Lindbergh was the guy from your. The better man. Oh, Chad. Yeah. That guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah okay. he, he was in I Spit on Your Grave, I think. Okay. The re it's a remake. It's a French remake, or a remake of a French movie, right? No, no. It's it's re it's a It's sequel. an old 70s movie. It's it? a sequel to the original I Spit on Your Grave. Like okay. The direct sequel. Like, they've made other remakes or whatever, okay. but this is the original director, and he, re okay. you know. Okay. I, it's hard for me to watch, because it's like, 
to have horrible rape scenes. It's pretty graphic. It's yeah, a it's pretty graphic. graphic. I mean, it's a movie about revenge. The woman is raped by multiple men, yeah. and she goes and kills them, I believe. Yes. Yeah. So I haven't been able to watch it because of that, but um, I like this just... I like horror, but not yeah. necessarily that. Yeah. Uh, like, I like mine is a revenge, rape revenge story, but you don't actually see the rape. I mean, you kind of see it, but it's not very graphic. Th- I hear this one is. Yeah. So I haven't been able to watch it for that reason. But, um, so yeah, it, it, I, everything has changed. The landscape has changed completely. And, and most people don't even know where it's going, you know? So when you, so that last film that you put out, um, the, the distribution model had changed even drastically by the time you'd gotten mm-hmm. to 2016, right? Yeah. I mean, that is the problem. It's like the Wild Wild West with all the streaming stuff and stuff like that and the way the internet is now. Everything's just connected, right? So when you talk about, like, I just don't know why anybody's pirating this specific movie or that, I think it's more just the fact that everything's just accessible. There's just a way to take, if that makes any sense. It's like, yeah. it's like supermarket sweepstakes. It's like you're just running around just grabbing whatever you can because you can't. But, but so. there's so much free entertainment. Why do you need to pirate stuff? Like you could just, just. I don't disagree with you. I'm just saying that's know. just it's yeah. a mentality of people. They think that they want to be the in the underground. They want to continue to be those people. There's a, it's a weird thing, right? Because it's a little bit like oh, I'm anti-establishment. It's like yeah, but look at who you're screwing over. Yeah, you're not screwing over the establishment. Yeah, it's... you're not. You know. Yeah, I yeah I have, I have friends who like, you know. I know that they they watch stuff that's pirated all the time. They have all these other. Special, I don't know, devices and stuff like that. They get the movie that's still out in the theater, and I'm like, that's stealing. Yep. It really is. Just yep. stop it. You know, I mean, you already have Netflix. You, right. you, know, you already have Hulu. You already have Amazon whatever. Prime. You, you can have... you can wait six months to watch it. it. Yeah, it's coming. You it's have coming HBO Go. You have Showtime. You know, if you don't really want to go pay the money to go see the theater, <laughs> I don't. I don't go a lot to the theater because it's too expensive. Yeah, I agree. And most of the movies I, I don't really like. Yeah. So what you know? You're let down when you pay all that it, money. It, and it like, takes eh. a leap of faith to go pay that much money to go watch a movie that when ninety percent of them suck. Yeah. Of any That's genre. Yeah. So, um, but, but then just wait. You know, like I had a um, oh what what is the name of that movie? I don't know, but I like a lot of times, like even with horror movies, when I hear a lot of people saying, "Oh, it's so great," I'm like, "Watch it not be." So as much as I love horror movies, eighty percent of the time, unless I'm really excited about a concept, I will wait till it comes out on yeah. something so I, I can don't use it. anybody's opinion anymore. I can't I can't. I just I I when I hear people start talking about like that's the, the must see movie you got dude you got to see this movie you got to see this movie you got to see this movie. I will most likely probably not at that point. I will yeah. wait eventually. Wait, I'll take them longer to wait until all the hype dies down, everything goes away and then I feel And then like you've sort of forgotten choice. the hype so that when yes. you watch it you're not like this is going to be the greatest thing I've ever seen because 9,000 people just told yeah. me this was the greatest thing I was ever going to see. But to be clear, I also feel the same way about hamburgers. So it's not like, okay. you know, I just, <laughs> I don't, it, you, our tastes are our tastes. Yeah. And so well, it's like, it's, I, I try not to get too caught up with what everybody else. Well, I just thought of an example right now, Get Out, you know. Yeah. Everybody was saying, it was like the best horror movie ever. I watched it, I'm like, it's entertaining. I liked it, yeah. And it's, but it's, Definitely not the best horror movie, and no. it's hardly horror for no, me. But that like, hype, that's what, I think, wait, wait, it's not it? horror. I think it's you call it hardy horror. I think it's it's a thriller. Oh, a thriller. Yeah, okay. it's definitely yeah. not a horror. No, film uh, it's just a lot of suspense. Yeah. You know, 
Um, I don't know. I thought I thought because I didn't have everyone telling me about the movie, I went and saw it without knowing anything about it. Oh yeah. And that to me usually equals a much better movie experience when I don't know anything that I'm going. Yeah, I, I again that was one where I waited a long time because I, the the hype was it was like could be the first thing to ever you know horror film to win an Oscar. Like oh, it, it gets it gets so out of control. You're like oh well now it doesn't matter what I think is going to be on. Yeah. I'm gonna, and I'm yeah. extremely picky too because I I. I could deal with a lot of stuff, but like when it comes to story, I'm I hate plot holes. Like I can deal with some plot holes, but not like when they're like gigantic. Yeah, you know. And that was a movie that I felt was like full of plot holes. So it didn't matter. I mean, I thought the acting was amazing. Yeah, everyone great, did a great job. Yeah, but the plot holes, Jesus Christ. I'm a simpleton when it comes to movies. Now I had to dumb down my opinions on everything just because I need to get. I, I want to just you know. What I mean, look, there are some pl- movies you just can't in television shows. You, you're like I can't, I can't do this. I'm sorry, you've, you've, I can't, it's I too can't bad. stick with this. Yeah. But I, I'm notorious thanks to Amazon. I, I go down rabbit holes of horrible movies, and I just find myself instead just watching them for pure enjoyment. I love how bad, bad movies. How bad they are, and I've tried to shift my focus because, uh, and, and I get more enjoyment out of out of bad storylines. Well, I mean, I watch, I watch a lot of really cheap horror because. Yeah. You know, I watch, I have so many filmmaker friends that you always want to be supportive of them and whatever. Yep. So, but, you know, you could have a movie that the, the acting is not great and the thing and the, you know, and the sound's not that great or, you know, or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I can deal with that. Just give me a good story. Yeah. Give me a story that makes sense. At that That's point. When there are huge point. plot holes, you're yeah. like, I am sorry. I just, I can't. And I, 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 we can't talk about this enough. It is really hard. To write something really good, and it's really hard it's to not only original. write something really good and original. It's also really hard to execute it. It's like there's little steps along the way. It's like if it's cast wrong, that that great writing can go away. If it's shot wrong, that great writing. I mean, there's so many roadblocks yeah. to getting to that that ultimate. You know, it, this is where this is what it's supposed to be, and this is what it became, and they're both in sync. It's hard sometimes. It's disappointing when it doesn't come out the way you hope. You know. So when you finished that last one, what what made you? We got a couple minutes left here. What 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 got you to here? So not, not, that that not didn't not get Glass re- Park, but what got you to? <laughs> yeah, that didn't get released until 2018. So there was like a long lag waiting for that. And okay. I said, let me. I won't really want to wait for this to release before I make another one, because I I could see that the that the. There's a shift. Market has shifted yeah. so dramatically that mm-hmm. the DVD sales had died, that Redbox is no no longer buying you know indie films. Like at one point, I was like, just off a of Redbox, that's it. We'll get we'll get you make the money we'll back. We'll make our money back. Yeah. Um. But like, you know, I was told by my distributor like that Hazmat was like his last big sale to to um yeah. Redbox from an indie film, you know, with no names. Now, see, I, that's unfortunate because I would think they would want to do more of that because if you made your money back on an indie film with no names through Redbox, Redbox should be pushing that. They should be pushing those movies. No, because, you know, what they do is they buy, or they buy in our case, 35,000 DVDs, and it's a flat rate. Ah, I see. I don't okay. forget, what, let's say, two, three, two or three dollars per copy or something yeah. like that, and then put them all out. Um, so if it doesn't get rented... I see. I thought you were saying through rental services, you you were actually making no, it on the rental. the way that they work, which is the way that Blockbuster used to work, they used to buy a bunch of DVDs and, you know, and put them out. 
Gotcha. So you got your money like that. Yeah. When that's all you got. Yeah. You, and then you never saw a penny of it again. Right, right, rented, right, right, You know, right. one time or 20 times. Right. With streaming is different. I mean, you you hear the stories of Amazon and how little it pays. Oh, man. It, and just like Netflix insane. shows with name actors and other people are like, dude, I can't make a living wage on this show. And you're like, what? They're not even paying people to act in it. You're like, Jesus. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's just changed completely. And now, like, you release something within a couple of, you know, it used to be that there were windows. You're like, okay, now for a long time, you actually have to pay to watch it. But now they're going into, like, Amazon Prime, like, within two months. That means people know you just have to wait out for two months and then get it for out. free. So why? And I do this to other people as well. Because <laughs> I know so many people who make f- films and their films are Amazon. I'd be paying, you know, like a lot of money every month, you know, mm-hmm. to watch their films. And let's face it, most of the time they're not, they're not that awesome. great because yeah. they're indie films. Yeah. Um. So, you know, it takes a leap. You must really like that person to, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to, yeah, yeah. to spend the $3. Um. So it really goes into Prime so quickly, and Prime doesn't pay anything. Yeah, no, and you can you can actually put it up on there on your own. Yeah, if you want, yeah. and then I mean you, you don't make anything. You know, clicks if you get a bunch of people to like it. Maybe I don't know. Well, it clearly wasn't making uh, a lot of that stuff. Wasn't making a ton of money because I know a lot of independent filmmakers are going through this company called Distriber, mm-hmm. and I think that they went belly up and they're out of the game. And I just if if they're doing it and they're probably just a volume based business, of who cares? Right. We'll help you. Just we'll help you funnel it through. If they're not making any money, then you know that there's a there's 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 a disconnect between the haves and the have-nots at that point. Yeah. Um, so while so while that's going on, obviously, that seems like that was the longest gap for you and has been the longest gap for you for making a film. And was that part of the decision to come out here because you feel like, all right, if I'm going to do this, I need to get out here and start establishing myself in this L.A. market? Is that what your thought process was as to why you came out here? Yeah, I mean, there were so many programs that when I would watch, that I would see, you know, advertised, that it was like, oh, my God, that sounds amazing. You get to shadow on a show or blah, blah, blah. Oh, but you have to be in L.A. to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like they'll fly you out here. No, yeah, you got to uh, live here Or put already. you up anywhere. Um, and then, um, you know, Atlanta's great if you, if, if you work in crew. You can literally work all the time in Atlanta and never stop. There's mm-hmm. so much work out there. But... If you're above the line, none of that hiring is happening over there. It's happening over here. Okay. So I really thought, and, you know, and I had nothing to tie me down. Like, you know, I could go wherever I want. Um, So I thought, why not? I've, you know, I've lived in a lot of different places. So why not try that for a while? See how it goes. If it doesn't, you know, if I don't, don't like it or whatever, I just go right back. To Atlanta. I, I was gonna say you don't there. seem to have a problem moving around. So if yeah. like if if you're like ah, I got better opportunities back east, I'll just go over there. Then yeah, like I'm going back to shoot you know this film over there because I realized that over here it it would blow Cost up my budget. Dollars, I could never yeah. do it. And when do you do it? When are you doing that? Sometime in the in the the summer. Okay, awesome. And you said that you're going back to Atlanta for that. Yeah. Right? yeah okay. Another horror movie. It's a sci-fi horror. Sci-fi. It's more sci-fi, but but there's some really horrific. So I don't have to give you my my resume and my headshot because I feel like I <laughs> I've done a couple of horror things that were were actually pretty good, and uh, I feel like I could I, I die well, well <laughs> or 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 I murder well or I murder well. It's well. actually it's all female cast. I, again, I play a woman <laughs> very well. It's an all female cast. There's only one guy, and he's uh, the killer. And no, no, no. <laughs> No, it's so not. sexist. It's so sexist, Lou. It's not horror. It's sci-fi. He's the alien. He's he's the last man alive. 
Oh, and you're, so, why would you're you not tell, a porno why would you movie? Tell John and it's that. not a porno movie. <laughs> why would you tell John that? A bunch of women in The Last Man Alive, and it's not a porno. Okay, okay, I see what you're I, doing. If I made porno, I might actually make a lot more money, and yeah, I'd be yeah. able to pay those first investors so, You off. know what? You should start making your own, you should make start making porno parodies of your own films, because that doesn't get done, and that doesn't get done at all. But that would be a good... Did you just snort some coke or something? You come up with all sorts of ideas now. You're like, I got some great ideas, guys. And those, those are super cocaine ideas, too. Like, no, 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 listen, listen, we'll start a company. Company, and then we'll make your horror movies, but at the same time we'll shoot porn parodies, and we'll we'll make a killing. We'll make a killing. You're like, oh, I see your ideas. Also, you have uh, white powder on the rim of your nose. Yeah, that's very funny. But okay, yes. So, yeah, so. and so the the one one guy is is, is going to be a name talent. Yeah, okay. and he planks and does sit ups. And you know. oh, he's a good looking man. Oh, he's a hunk. Actually, I never said that. Actually, not. He's been in a coma, so he's he's he's, he's after atrophy. Can't, he can't. Yeah, he can't atrophy, be in that great none of shape. His, oh. None of his body works. Oh. <laughs> is this good? I'm auditioning right now. For oh, those of you is. listening, I'm, I'm, my body's gun limp. <laughs> I am the last man alive. Uh, that's exactly what's going to And he's going to have to needs to have a beard, right? And longish hair. This, 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 I, my, yeah. I'm done with casting right <laughs> there now. There we go. There we go. And I'll give you a list of females I've worked with who think I'm a great uh, person to act with. <laughs> It'd be like Jen Murphy. Yeah, he was fun on dumbbells. I don't know. <laughs> Um, but you're going, so you're going back to Atlanta to do that one. Yeah. Another 12 day -er? That's actually, no, that one, that one's much higher budget. So it's, 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 uh, more like 24. There we go. Oh, yeah. nice. Lap of luxury all of a sudden. Getting for bigger. Yeah. This is, here we go. I think I am. Huh? Do you, does that, does that, um, I don't want to say make you nervous, but is, is that yes. like, it <laughs> does because big, bigger budget, bigger, more time. So if it's not doesn't turn out the way you want, it's like, hey, we gave you twenty four days. And, of and even though it technically the story technically takes place in one location because it's it's um, it's some kind of underground, you know, um, whatever um, nuclear, you know, bunker bunker. Yeah, um, it has to have like a like a a place that's like the clinic of the place. So it literally is two locations. It has to be a hospital and, you know, gotcha. and a bunker looking kind of place. Right. Um, so, and that scares me, you know, having to redress the same. Yeah. And they, and they need to be dressed very well. Like what's, what's actually, besides the name talent, what's going to sell this is going to be, you know, how good we can make it look, the places look. Yeah. No. Production value. Value. It's part of the challenge. You either you either you either love it or you don't. It's pretty clear at this point. You love it. I mean, if you keep doing <laughs> it, otherwise what's wrong with me? I know you're like that's a whole other show. That's, that's a whole other episode. But part of me, that's why, like <laughs> when we first came up with, like when Brian said the he was when I when we came together and I thought about doing a podcast. He was like, yeah, I got this idea. I want to call it Hollywood Anonymous, and it just have it be you know about uh, just the people you don't always hear about all the time. And because the two of us, forty plus years in the business, nobody knows who we are. But like. To me, when you say Hollywood Anonymous, it's almost like an Alcoholics Anonymous thing. <laughs> like, hi, my name is John H., and I'm a Hollywood uh, addict, and I can't leave, and I can't, <laughs> I, won't, I refuse to do anything else, and this is where I'm going to die, probably. So <laughs> I just feel like there's a lot of that in everybody we talk to that's like, yeah, where, what am I, what am I going to do? Like, well, I have always equated either to like a heroin addiction mm -hmm. or like, or like a being in an abusive relationship. Yeah. Where like you production get beats down, you down. And yep. then you're like, I'm never doing this again. That was a terrible experience. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go through that again. And then the next, hey, how about if we make a film about this? You yeah. Know? I feel like uh, the same way, except sometimes <laughs> I'm like, 
like it, it, it's like I'm like, oh well, I asked for that. I deserve that. The production, the production didn't mean to do that to me. It's like I'll like rationalize, like being abused. Like no, no, the production meant well. I think, uh, but like yeah, it, it, it can be very. Especially after a lawsuit, I honestly was like. I was like, I have to be certifiably crazy to want to continue this down this path. Especially after what I've been through with and that. And seeing how people get screwed over. Yeah. Even if you've done everything right, you've cast right, you you know, you have something with good production value, it looks good, and literally overnight it can just be worthless just because one yep. idiot, you know, decides Didn't to put it out there tea. without permission. Yeah. And and all of a sudden it's like, my God, that was that was Two years of production of my life, and then four years in, involved in lawsuits. I mean, it's it was it, I was so stressed out about that because yeah. once again, I I'm one of those people who, when somebody gives me money for anything, I take that so seriously. I you know I you know I worry so much about getting them their money back. We call that decency. Uh, <laughs> it's that not a word you hear out here a lot, but. That I just I I can't I I, w- I was not even sleeping at one point, especially like when like the litigation got really heated, um and it was it was a nightmare. Like I I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. It was, yeah. I was super stressed out. So it totally makes sense that you moved out like a call. Yeah. and, and the thing um, is, I could have this great career as an attorney, you know, and and make plenty of money and yeah. and you know drive in expensive cars. It's not and like attorneys whatever. make minimum wage. You'd All be of doing that is fine. true. But going back to what you guys were talking about before, are we crazy? Yes, because we know what we can do. It's what we want to do, and there, and and that's not. There's no shame in wanting to do things. No, nope. it's like you get this shot at life. I'm interested in this. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to try to do. And yeah, there's going to be some people who are going to think you're crazy, including yourself from time to time, you know? It's well, like, I, think I'm, I think I'm crazy all the time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, I just avoid that's, mirrors. But that's, that's what fair, I do. But don't look never, at it as a negative. Never see yourself. Just avoid mirrors. I feel like it's like renting, uh, like uh, if you rent a monster truck, like you, you've, only, you've only got these bodies. We, we rent these bodies. These are rentals. These are, these are rental. We're energy. We rent the body. And then eventually, we're essentially the universe experiencing self in human form. And then we, the lease is up, and our bodies uh, break down, and, we, and, the, and the bodies die. And then the energy shoots out into the universe. But it's what you do with your body while you have it. It's like if you rent a monster truck, and then you just park it in a driveway, uh, okay. Or you can go romp it and do a bunch of shit that might get you. You might, you might tip over. You might fall. But you can probably write the thing and keep going forward if you want to. I know this is a weird analogy that I just made up right now. I but just got the word romping is the only thing I picked up. Oh, on romping. Yeah, like, when you take a truck out. And you <laughs> yeah. I thought he was alone from Wisconsin. Where are you from? <laughs> yeah, I'm from. I'm, He's from Illinois. Close I'm from a small town in Illinois. I spent a lot of time in northern Wisconsin. <laughs> there were probably a lot of raceway shows oh, that came man. to town. My cousin you know, raced snowmobiles. Monster I've been to a lot trucks. of crash up yeah. derbies. Yeah, derbies. <laughs> um, thank you so much. Seriously. Yeah, this was way great. To take, way to take an actual physical risk and, uh, and <laughs> show up at a stranger's <laughs> house. Two men to do a podcast. Way to face your fears. She's like, well, this could be my next <laughs> horror movie. <laughs> or Woman invited to do podcast at man's house. <laughs> Everything you just said sounds so stupid. You just, no, not in a million years. If it came out of your mouth, you'd be like, yeah, why did what? What? No. <laughs> what did I? Did you just hear what I just said? See, no. That, that's where people would be like, "That what a huge plot hole. What woman would ever go?" <laughs> yeah. First of all, yes. bullshit. I yeah. call bullshit right away because no woman's dumb enough to no go ra- to a man's house. Rational person's like, "How do you know this person? The internet? Oh, what on the internet? I don't know. Here's a movie. Here's here's nine thousand movies about people getting murdered off by people they know on the internet. <laughs> but I know him from from Instagram. He must be a nice guy. <laughs> no, yeah. There's no shady pieces of shit on Instagram. I mean, he, Instagram is the wholesome one. It, it's clear by all of his posts he hates himself so I don't <laughs> he's not trying to upsell 
Yeah, he's definitely not not bragging. It's, it's the opposite. But seriously, thank you for coming. I, I knew this was going to be a good show, and it turned out it was a great show. Oh, so. Yeah, I'm glad. It, I'm and glad. for people listening, it does, again, this when we had BJ Raniac on, everybody, like, wherever you are, you can, if you want to start trying to make a movie or write something, you can do it from wherever you are. You don't yeah. need to make a move. It's like, start small, start with what you know, um, but, but you can do it. And this is a prime example. I mean, Hazmat's a movie I've definitely heard of. I've seen on my, um, you know, movies i might like list or whatever but but uh, like it's it's possible guys it's possible so i uh, thank you very much yeah. and um honestly i hope your next movie i hope it continues <laughs> to get even though i'm not cast in it currently yet <laughs> yet, yet we'll you see you did a great upsell earlier <laughs> but that we didn't get tape on that but we'll see <laughs> but but um but yeah congratulations and and good luck with it and i hope yeah. you Thanks. continue to go forward and keep making movies thanks and if not you know i always say like if even if i never make a movie again you know i already feel like i've succeeded because i've made so many good friends and had such an amazing ex- different experiences and you know even if i go right back to being an attorney or whatever i still would have had this experience and i'll never regret it yeah and 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 movie making isn't something everyone gets to do. Like mm. even if you all, and, uh, and 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 you know how hard it is to make one. You've made several, so that like that speaks volumes to me because a lot of people get through one and they're like, "Well, we're done here. I'm not doing that again." Yeah. And you're like, "No, I'm just certifiable enough." Yeah. So that's perfect. That's awesome. Thank what, you. Yeah. What you guys don't know is that I'm the serial killer. I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, "No, you there can. Is, there it is. You can be in my movie. It shoots downtown in an abandoned warehouse. Uh, be there at midnight." I'm like, she I don't set see this cameras. crime up. She set this crime up years ago on Instagram. It was. Just, it's all a very well. Eventually, I will get invited to the home for yep. a podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> guys, um, don't steal any of our horror ideas. These are all going to be movies. Do you want people to find you on the interwebs, or you do not? Yeah, sure. All right. On Brag every, about it. On everything is Ms. M.S. Lou, L-O-U, Simone, S-I-M-O-N. On everything. On everything. Thank you so much. Across the board. Thanks Thank you so me. much for being here. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, until next time. Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe. 